to episode 133 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Mr. Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We are using the magazine Zap 64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. This week, we start our look at October 1989 and the first batch of games reviewed in issue 54 of Zap 64 along with what was also going on in the UK singles and albums chart that month. Graham, delight us with the pleasures of the serpent. I mean, what do we have coming up? Go, go, go. Go. In this repurposed Quality Street tin of an episode where we try to ascertain what on earth the creators of Visionaries Knights of the Magical Light were smoking and are imbibing, we grab our whip, fedoras and pointy knives as we head to the dubious stereotype-filled world of the ivory-obsessed adventurous son in Tusker, become a lizard and battle amongst some terrible 8-bit barbecues on a quest for an egg-filled magic cave and lowercase character people in the utterly stupid Ag and break out the options manager and head into the decision-based sports simulation world as we choose everything but the colour of the tooth fillings in OmniPlay Basketball. Turns out that the makers of Visionaries were just experts at using aggressive marketing and seductive advertising to target impressionable children and their nagging powers. Thankfully then, nothing nefarious. After all that, it's time to get rough like a ninja and sting like a bee as we kick, jump and fight our way through the many levels and bosses of Shinobi. We pop to Aldi and grab ourselves some nearly brand sci-fi sports action in the daft fusion of football and skating that nobody wanted, Skateball, before diving back into more C64 arcade conversion shoot 'em up shenanigans, this time as a cute hell helicopter in the nicely realized world of Mr. Heli. Indiana Jones alikes, ninjas, angry lizards and mono-horned cyclops. It's all going on this week. I'll just check we have the right option selected. Hmm, this might take a while. Ringler! Well, after we've watched uh, Take the Pledges from the Serpent <laughs> that Once Corrupted Man, um, we're left with these wonderful games. I'm sure I've just explained what they are in great detail. There, there are some there are some games are coming. There are. There are. There are indeed six. There's six this week. That's what we are. This is high for now, six. Having six. Ooh, True, six halt. Six juicy games. Six juicy games, Governor. <laughs> juicy Junior. Anyway, we've got a cover to talk about. Should we talk about a cover? Yes, let's do that. It's a, it's a, it's a Carlton Handley cover. It is. Carlton. It's for the game um, APB, isn't it? It is a game I've never played. No, I've, I know I've, I've seen it in the arcade, but I've never. It's never been a game I had a big like thing with. I've just like seen it. I've had a couple of goes on the arcade at the arcade club and gone eh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll I mean, we're not, we're not looking at APB this week. We're actually looking at that one next no, week. No, no, no. It's a strange cover, though, isn't it? It's a, it's a bit weird. It's quite rude. It's got an angry cop giving us the finger, and there's a reflection of somebody in the in, the, yeah, in his glasses in and he's got a tash he has i'm i'm getting a sort of i don't know how to describe it there's a look 
to that policeman. Um, it's a sort of a village people kind of look. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a cop of no no city. There's no there's no name on his badge at the top on his hat. No, um, no, he's and not. He's, and he says he's zapping you. Yeah, and he's uh, he's covering up the C64 Amiga of the Zap logo as well. I like it. It's a nice touch, that. But his rude finger gesture, that's unpleasant for everybody. <laughs> it is. It looks a bit weird as well. It looks uncomfortable for him. It's like his finger's really odd. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't look. I'm looking at my finger when I do that, and then my knuckles are up. Normal. I can't. It's like Benty's. I, I can't do that. No. My feeling is that that finger was not the one he was originally holding up in the drawing, <laughs> and they've had to correct it. Yeah, it was corrected. He's been corrected. That's my feeling. And also, it's he's got really dirty, grubby hands going on there. Wash those hands. Wash it those is, hands. Yeah, damn that, it. That looks like it's been. Uh, that's been in a tailpipe. That finger. <laughs> I don't want to know where that finger's been to get that day. <laughs> I, I do have to say that I like the blue and red of the background mm. to sort of yeah. highlight, the, obviously, the police lights that would probably be going along. I think that's yeah, quite, a nice nice. Touch, quite a nice mm. touch to have that on either side. Gives it uh, a nice sort of vibe. But again, they've just gone too much text at the bottom. Yeah, and I, I don't like banner things across with some arrows in. <laughs> It reminds me of really naff sort of early web design, web pages I'd sort of crappy, I'd crappy navigation on like that. Yep. And it reminds me of that. It's like maps, pugs, solutions, novelties, party <laughs> tricks. It's yeah. like just because there's mammoth playing tips special. Does anything, how, can, how to make something that's probably quite interesting sound the most boring it can be? Add the word mammoth to it. It's like, uh. it's not good. But we, we have got Tusker to look forward to and then a load of Amiga games. Yeah, Tusker in there, a lot of Amiga stuff. Chris Butler, the power drift view. No, that's just there for special about it. It's just kind of stuck there. It's weird. It really is a bit stuck there, isn't it? It's a bit like, oh, we need to fill that space. Why? Because it looks a bit weird. <laughs> he's got grubby fingernails as well, hasn't he? Around the edges. He's, honestly, he's got, he's, that's his name. <laughs> what, the cop? Grubby fingernails? <laughs> hey, grubby fingernails, who are you partnered with? <laughs> <laughs> Nailbrush McGee. He's over there. <laughs> oh, not him again. <laughs> um, but at least you can win a Sony Video Walkman. A Video Walkman? Is that a thing? Was they make those? I don't remember those. Uh, I don't know. How would that from, work? It's from US Gold, so... Uh... <laughs> you can put any VHS you want in your Walkman and listen to it. You can't, you can't see it or anything. <laughs> yeah, that would be weird. Sony Video Walkman. I don't even know they were a thing. I've just actually looked at that. Yeah, what is it? <laughs> You're walking along like, oh, I'll be jumping up to your tape would be chewed up. It'd be a nightmare. I mean, you could, it works quite well for the videotapes, but carry the TV on your head really hurts after a while. <laughs> you get a really sore neck. It's like, oh. Yeah. It's mounted on some kind of strap that goes around the back of your neck. You'd be like, oh, it's so heavy. Why can't they make lightweight screens? Not yet they can't, but they will soon in the future. I think it's it's quite the you know challenging cover. Rude. It's quite rude. It's not a great representation of law and order. I think that's why they've not made him quite a policeman. <laughs> it's obviously an American policeman anyway. So yeah, person, his, sorry, his yeah. finger it's is opposite. wrong, but, uh, you know. It is all kinds of wrong, but that's the cover, I suppose. That's what that's, it is. That's the cover. There you go. We've done our duty. We've done our due diligence. We've looked at the cover. Should we move on to some games? That's the plan. That is the plan. That is the plan, right. Let's get into our first game then. Graham, well, it's over to you to be, well, Tusker. Tell us um, all. This is a uh, £9.99 game from System 3. So prepare yourself for some gobbledygook. <laughs> it was produced by Jonathan Dean, coded by Duncan Meach. The graphics, now this is where it's quite crazy. The graphics are by Hugh Riley, Matt, Richard Hare, Gary Carr, Duncan Meach, Tony Hagar, 
and Paul Doherty or Doc. That's everyone. That's a lot of people doing the graphics. Everyone. Did they all do a pixel each or something? What's going that's, on? That's a lot of people. And the musician there is uh, Martholomew Gray, Matt Gray. Matt Gray, everyone. Yay. There is a story to this, extensive story. I'll read, do I, shall I read the blurb? I'll read it. I'm going to read the first bit of the scroll to give you the sort of set the scene for this game. Go on then. It is now more than three years since the mutilated body of your father was found, skewered to a native raft floating down the Turkwell River. Grim. Isn't it that? Good opener, though. Yeah, it catches their attention. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone had warned him not to pursue the last of the great ancient treasures of the Dark Continent, but he wouldn't listen. He never did. His lifelong quest for the treasure had long ceased to be just another adventure. It had become an obsession. Now, I'm actually correcting the language of the instructions there, Adrian, because it says it was a long quest for the treasure that had long creased to be just another adventure. It had become an obsession, all spelt incorrectly. Horrible, that. <laughs> That's on the actual instructions, the instruction oh, manual for the life. game. Many good. had gone before your father. Tense shift, everyone. <laughs> Prepare yourselves. <laughs> Treading the same treacherous path uh. that he had chosen. <laughs> Tense shift, everyone. We're kind of flipping between things here. None ever returned. Okay. Would any dare now follow? Is the desire for the treasure great enough to induce some, anyone to suffer the hardships and hazards of such a quest? Or will the elephant's graveyard remain in the realm of myth and legend? So that's what it is. It's an elephant's graveyard. Okay. So, you know, it took a while to get to that. Ah, Tusker. Yeah, you see. Something of a disappointment to your father, you had never shown the desire to follow in his footsteps as one of history's great explorers and adventurers, preferring (laughs) to remain at home and pursue a more cautious career in writing. Since leaving university, you had been your father's diarist. And biographer, carefully documenting all his great adventures and creating several novels based on his exploits, none of which had yet entered the bestseller lists. Oh, you're a fail writer. That's not very good, is <laughs> According it? According to Games Machine, they uh, <laughs> <laughs> they entered the charts at number 16 in uh, December. The truth is that you have neither the courage nor the compulsion to venture further than the coast of England, especially not to the dark continent. Or those nasty, creepy, corny things, wild animals who look at you as a quick snack, and not to mention the less than friendly natives who like to use you for target practice. What sane person would really want to risk all that? <sighs> okay. Well, we may as well go for the next part because we <laughs> may as well blind me. For the last two years, you have been trying to put together your father's memories from all the material collected over the years. This is written by an idiot. The last two years over the years. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) While searching through your father's papers, you happen to find your father's private journal. Say father again. One more time. I bloody well dare you. His own personal diary that he never showed to anyone. You are surprised to find this here. It would have been handy if it had given him that, and maybe his books would have got in the bestseller list. You know, the actual good stuff. Why did he have to find this when he disappeared? Anyway, you are surprised to find this here as he would never go anywhere without it. And you had surmised that it had been lost when he was murdered. Her was murdered. Sorry, when her was murdered. <laughs> what? Written by that, an absolute... German? <laughs> <laughs> you had never been allowed to read the journal while your father was alive, though you often asked permission to do so. <laughs> God's <laughs> sakes. Your father had always dismissed the contents of the journal by claiming they were little more than the emotional ramblings of an old man and of no use to your literary works. You were soon to discover how far from the truth your father's claim was and the sinister nature of the journal's contents. The journal was full of hand-drawn maps. Oh, my God, not hand-drawn maps, Adrian. They're the worst (laughs) thing to find in anyone's journal. The terror. (laughs) Sketches of landmarks and numerous notes on the elephant's graveyard. (laughs) Elephant's graveyard, not here. (laughs) Found it. It's here. It became clear that your father had been looking for the graveyard most of his exploring life and had amassed information from every quarter of the dark continent. A story here, a folk tale there, 
but all had been appended with the same pathetic footnote. No luck so far. <laughs> it's crap. <laughs> it's written by a complete, honestly. Why had your father not taken his most personal possession with him? Did he know he would not come back this time? As you read the well-thumbed and browning pages, you are drawn deeper into the web of mystery that has its sense as its center the greatest prize of all the gra- elephant's graveyard. All right, we get it. The elephant's graveyard. What's so good about the elephant's graveyard? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I guess it's is There's it, it just bones? Isn't it? Was elephant is elephant carcasses? I'm guessing tusks. So no, not that you know. Ivory now the trade in ivory is, is illegal. So just yeah. This game has several historic problems about things like that. We'll come to those mm-hmm. later. Near the end of the journey, you will find two pages have been hurriedly torn from the book, leaving only frayed remains. Frayed remains. Bending back the covers of the journal in order to examine the remnants of the missing pages, you notice part of a name written in your father's familiar scrawl. The word is hard to make out, especially as the end of it is missing. All you can see is Nyaher. <laughs> Not a word. <laughs> Reaching for your atlas, you turn to the detailed map of Central Africa, because that's exactly what you do when you find a gibberish word. You go to the Encyclopedia yeah. of Africa and go, well, I recognize that place. Yes. After careful scrutiny, you discover there is only one place it could be. Nyaheru. Nyaheru. Is this where your father's last adventure began? Oh. Maybe it was where it ended, really. Yeah. What was so important about those two pages that he would rip them from the journal? Had your father stumbled across the true path to the elephant's graveyard? Had they seen Indiana Jones films at this point? Very much The irrational so. compulsion <laughs> to follow your father's trail overpowers you. It's starting to read like the end of one of those Choose Your Own Adventure stories. Yeah. <laughs> your adventure ends here. Mandrake. You look up and see Mandrake. <laughs> Mandrake is like, who wrote this shit? <laughs> you will not survive my attention. <laughs> exactly. So uh, where do we get to? Uh, so what was important about the two pages? Had your father stumbled across the true path to the elephant's graveyard? The irrational compulsion to follow your father's trail overpowers you. Ill-equipped and even less prepared, you make the decision to leave for the dark continent at the earliest possible moment. Call it Africa. Africa. Call it's it Africa. It's really <laughs> annoying that they keep referring to the dark continent. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> it's part of a bigger problem with this game. Still shocked from the rashness of your decision, you slowly regain your composure with the realisation that your father's dream has become your destiny. Stop writing. Stop. <laughs> Stop writing this crap two pages ago. <laughs> Loading instructions. Finding the lost paraphrase. <laughs> you must press play. <laughs> So, please, oh. yeah, please. Oh, my gosh, honestly. And there's just like, loads of gushing extra. And I'm not going to go for any more of that at all. No. no. So the game begins, and there's a simple loading screen, tout screen, with more than a hint down of Indiana Jones in terms of logo design. So the Tusk writing is in the Indiana Jones style, in the Indiana Jones way. Okay, and the game mm-hmm. starts. First of three levels at the top. Uh, so you'll get the first of those, and the first one is the, the desert. Uh, the top uh-huh. area of the screen when the game starts is your UI, which details your weapons carried, object, the amount of water you have, the amount of energy you have, and the score. Below that is the game window. The idea of this game is to follow in your father's footsteps and find the elephant's graveyard, in case that isn't clear from all the gibberish. Yeah, it is. And in order to do that, you have to wander around and find things, and we'll come to that in a moment. So for this level, you start in, like I said, in the desert with some nicely, I think, okay, nicely realigned backgrounds. And with 19 people drawing the graphics, they're bound to get it right <laughs> at some level. Yeah. So there's some nicely realigned background details and suitable dumpity-dumpity music. Thumpy Matt Gray channeling Fabrio Fritzi, though. Because that is the zombie main title music that he's ripped off there. Is it? Ah, it certainly is. Cool. Yeah, it's the it's the, the even later on. If you listen to the music, it goes. Yeah, it's, it it's does. The zombie. It's the zombie flesh eaters music. <laughs> 
So, and it's got that, no, 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 that kind of weird music. It's that, it's what it is. So he's, you know, you didn't think we'd notice that, did you, Mr. Gray? But we did. Not many people <laughs> would have spotted the old Fabrio Fritzi. You don't get a lot of love, but I do. I like it. Anyway, it's quite good music and it's all the same. You control your little Indiana Jones type dude with the joystick moving around the screen. Fire held down and pushed to the right is a mid punch. Down is kick, up is face punch. Space bar is crouch and pick up. Why not use down and fire for pickup and use the directions for kicking and punching? Why not do that the logical yeah. way? Who knows? Who knows? Then he set about exploring the map by moving around and navigating the paths and picking up objects and moving them around to other places. You'll find cave entrances and you'll need to explore into those. Objects need to be picked up and placed in specific areas with pixel perfection. And certain things need to be done in certain ways and collected in a certain order, or you can't really progress anywhere. You can go through your items and weapons with the function key, so you can press F1, I think, and it changes between what you're carrying, because you can carry a few items. And you can do the same with, I think, F5, which changes what weapon, because you eventually can pick up swords and guns and things F7. like F7. It was one of the F keys. Oddly, in the manual, there is an entire level one walkthrough. <laughs> Almost like the new some of this game and its vagueness might be an issue. Anyway, graphics throughout the level are okay. Some parts better than others. Background details, I think, generally nice. The various enemies that you come across, I felt, were not only somewhat cliche, but horrible stereotypical representations which have no place in modern games of this type. Yeah. So it made me feel a little bit uncomfortable when, when we're going through some of those. Just that kind of stuff. It just, you know, the fact that they refer to it as the Dark Continent, you've got tribes, folk, wielding sort of arrows and spears and rocks and things. It's just a little bit... It's, I know it's of its time, but I just find these things a little bit not as palatable these days. There's also, weirdly, other things. So as well as the human um, element, which will attack you, and when you kill them, they just vanish into skeletons, which is really strange as well. <laughs> you the, don't know. It's got the most powerful kick in the world. You just disintegrate people. You, they disintegrate, but you also crum- just crumple into a bone heap if you die. Yeah, um, you anyway, there's also mini um, whirlwinds that you'll get trapped in and they'll spin you around and kill you. There's also later on monkeys in trees throwing coconuts, giant pink horned worm creatures appear as well. There's a variety of weird enemies in this, most of which yeah. you have to sort of um, either kick, punch, eventually if you get the gun, but there's a limited supply of bullets. You have to be pixel perfect alignment in order to shoot things. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. Quite a lot of that goes on in this. And once you've gone through that, and picked up and manoeuvred and picked up some of the objects and placed them where they need to be and everything else. Eventually, you'll come to a, a, an exit and you'll go to the next what, stage, which after the uh, desert is the village. Again, we've got more stuff to explore by wandering around, picking things up, putting things down, shuffling about and doing that kind of thing. Oddly, some of the enemies in this manifest from skeletons, so they just sort of materialize, which is a bit strange. Mm-hmm. There's hints of some kind of magic voodoo element, I guess. I don't know what it's all about because it's never really explained. There's also weird bouncing skulls in that, which are oversized, massive bouncing skulls to contend with. Why, I don't know. It's almost as if they sort of realized that perhaps there weren't enough enemies, so they just threw a lot of weird ones in. So imagine sort of you're playing a game where you've got jungle enemies of different types and then all of a sudden the Cauldron 2 graphics came in and just had a bit of a sort of a mosey about. So you end up with skulls and weird things floating about. The functions principally all work the same, of course. Walk around, find stuff, use it, avoid things and avoid all the constantly respawning enemies, which by this point will be driving you absolutely mad. Absolutely mad. There's a fair amount of locations in that level as well. There's a lot. It's a flick screen, this, by the way. So when you go between screens, it's all fli- It's a flick screen. Um, and you, the gameplay area is quite a percentage of the screen, like I said. But it's a little bit on the busy side at times with some of the background details here. So you do get some nice ideas of backgrounds, and you are exploring sort of different locations. There's no problem with that. But on occasion, they get quite busy, and the graphics can get quite sort of cluttered in that kind of bitty way that sometimes they do with these kind of things and mm. um, when you haven't got a lot of colors and you're trying to sort of make things look a bit more shaded than perhaps you've got the ability to with the colors that you have there's a lot of yellow a lot of gray a lot of brown obviously and jungle it's the c64's favorite color palette jungle and desert 
Um, the music here is a bit more traditional thumpety Matt Gray, isn't it? It's a bit more thumpety, that one. Mm-hmm. Um, follows his more familiar and less IP infringing templates, I feel. Um, eventually, you'll get some more cavemen as you go into caves and giant flying dinosaurs start to appear. This game was legitimately about trying to find an elephant's graveyard and following <laughs> an adventure. I'm not quite sure where the science fiction came in, but you know, maybe it's that's, good that's, that they did that put that That was the in. two pages torn out of the diary, I think. <laughs> oh, look, there's a giant, giant flying pterodactyl. Didn't expect that. Which would actually be rarer than finding an elephant's tusk, wouldn't it, if you found pterodactyls? We've often said could have done with a little bit of science fiction. Well, they threw it in here. Anyway, it's a pretty extensive arrangement of things to explore in that second uh, level. And then after that, you'll get to the third level, which is the temple. More walking around, more avoiding things, more picking things up, more moving things around. There's some admittedly quite nice backgrounds in that third level with a bit more variety of hazards, but they're still pretty sort of one hazard per screen with a couple of enemies thrown in. The logic of the game doesn't extend to a great deal. After that, you're going to get the ending because you'll find the elephant's graveyard. Pretty exciting, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. In principle, there should be a lot to like with this, really. Solid production team, good production outfit, System 3, some good music, some nice graphic details. It has a kind of, if you want to think of a look, if it has a look, it's, I thought it looked a little bit like Predator in terms of the way you yeah. can run about and the way you mm-hmm. sort of move about. It has that look. That kind of size of sprite as well. They're not bad looking sprites, but it, that's how it looks. Reasonable controls, I mean, they're a little bit back to front, I think, and they could have been done better, but once you get used to it, maybe they work. I've, I've found that there's a little bit of clustering about those, and I'll come to that. The main body of the sprites are generally okay, well-realized for what they are. So why don't I like this as much as I probably should then? Because normally these kind of games would appeal to me if it's done in the right way. Last Ninja this, has this kind of explore the locations mm-hmm. in different areas and find stuff and move stuff around. Why, why am I not digging Tusker in the same way? Well, firstly, the controls. They're a bit fiddly when you move in, pressing fire, space bar, and function keys. It's always hard in games that have lots of respawning enemies to flitter around controls like that, I find. And it's not easy. And yes, you've got a powerful kick and punch, but you've also got other weapons that you need to use at certain points because you can't punch some of the larger demons. So I don't know. Some of the controls feel fiddly at the wrong moments. Also, the pixel-perfect pickups... Um, for objects and shooting becomes a pain later on in the game. So you can't just sort of, a bit like Last Ninja did. You remember when Last Ninja, when you used to sort of, you'd be going you to throw the orbs up, to knock yeah. out the dragon and stuff. Exactly. Like so yeah. it's, there's a bit of pixel perfection in here, which is a bit frustrating. Mm-hmm. As is the scattering related objects all over the place to create gameplay idea, which is something I find quite frustrating. So the gun is here. Pick it up. Five screens to the right, there's the bullets. Go back six screens to the left because there's the acid bottle. Go over 10 screens to the left. And it's that kind of game. There's lots of back and forward. And it's, I get that it's meant to feel like you're exploring, but I don't know. You can have that game mechanic as part of the game, no problem. But don't make it the only game and the only play in town. Have other things that you can do in here, but you don't really get that. So you are just wandering, picking things up, shooting at things and, and doing that kind of thing here. Much of the game here is less about finding the elephant graveyard, I think, and more about avoiding the endless respawning enemies on the quest for bullets or another little thing. And on that notion, I want to just mention something about feedback. Now, these games need to give you a little bit more feedback because that's what gives you the sort of sense of purpose and the idea of what you're doing and the notion of how you're resolving things in the game. That kind of feedback is important for the player on a regular basis so they feel that their journey back and forth actually has some meaning and purpose. Here... So little is given away that you'd often find yourself wondering what and where you are, what you're doing, and what the reason for it is. Picking up objects is fine, but they need to have a better visual or audio cue so you can measure your success with them. Otherwise, you're just picking things up and what do I do with it? Do I move it over there? Do I move it over there? More Mm -hmm. trial and error that. As you work through the map, 
and they are extensive. You've got no real idea how far you've got in this game or if indeed you're progressing or if you're getting through the level. You'll More often than not, you'll finish in this by probably by more luck than judgment. So you'll finish... So you're finishing and finding items and using them in, and it's all a bit of an educated guess in some instances. Sometimes more obvious, sometimes vague, and you'll certainly stumble into the next level if you live that long. Which brings me to the difficulty, which is quite alarming at times. This is a challenging game with the respawns, the pixel-perfect requirements, and the fiddly controls for fighting and shooting and throwing things. Not forgetting limited supplies of some of those items too. It's a trudge to plod and move around with the endless punch-ups and all the rest of it. Add to that that you quickly lose your water and energy as well, which you need to replenish. They're not great combinations in a game that's based in the desert, that kind of thing. It just adds more, like we like we saw with Spellbound, when it added an extra complexity of just dying if you, because you just ran out of life. Mm. These kind of games, if you're going to have a game where you're encouraging someone to explore a location, don't give them a time limit on, on death. Don't give them something they need to replenish unnecessarily or provide plenty of ways to replenish it and make it clear that that's how you do it. Don't just start them in the desert and go, right, oh, go, you've got to find the elephant graveyard. Off you go. Da, da, da. And it's like, well, what's this? I've got to pick up a bottle of acid. What am I going to do with that? What's that for? No, there's no real yeah. clues as to what you really got to try and do. And yes, there's some guidance in the instructions, which is why you get that how to finish the first level. And that's a stupid thing to put in a, put in any kind of instructions. What's the point in creating all that complexity of a level if you're just going to tell everybody how to do it? Better that you make the game tell them how to do that, make it more obvious, because then you don't need to do stupid things like that. So the mappers will probably, when they explore a game types that people who like that, maybe they'll like this. It's a slightly different take on that spellbound type notion, walk and seek games, maybe with a more solid thematic and it's quite thumpy in music terms. <laughs> it does sort of live and breathe its atmosphere. And I suppose there's no denying the production quality in, in that sense. But under the hood, the lies a pretty dreary and thankless series of challenges that have some nice details and niche ideas, but there's no game design in there enough to hold it together. And you don't really feel like you're ever getting anywhere, which explains why the novel of this was probably really boring because that's why he was a writer, right? Yeah. It's a pity, maybe. I suspect there's types that'll dig it, like I said, and it's in the dig it, it, the vibes that it comes up with and all of that kind of thing. I made, I've made no secret in this podcast. I don't like these kind of games generally. For me, this was more of a tasker than a tusker. Very good. Very good. But Very what, good. Uh, what did you Very think? Good. Yeah, I mean, my first comment is, why am I getting serious Predator vibes from this? Yeah, um, totally. I mean, I was playing it. I was like, what's this remind me of? Oh, it's Predator. And it's Hugh Riley. Because Hugh Riley did the visuals for Predator, didn't he? And the, the visuals do bear resemblance to the walking and the, the view and the sort of depth to the screen and everything. I don't know. I thought, I thought it's, it's a decent enough run and stab, shoot machete puzzler. Looks and sounds the part. I think it, its production values carry it a lot. I think on on that kind of thing. I like you. I've just made a note that I'm I'm not sure that the representation stands up today so much. A, a little of its time with mentions of the Dark Continent and what have you, and the sort of you know in the in the like instructions just says yeah, kill yeah. the kill all the Arabs. Yeah, I don't like that. There's a lot of that. I didn't go into that in the instructions, but it's uncomfortable it's reading. Yeah, uh, I mean, it makes it a bit hard to go back to. But I was thinking, is it different to the Almaz we played or? Even Rick Dangerous, you know, Rick Dangerous is a bit yeah, that first level we, of Rick we Dangerous. We said the same. Uh, the visuals and music are nice, though. Some decent tunes from Thumpy Gray and all the people who worked on the visual design did a very good job. All of them. I mean, they must have been. Oh, you've done a very good job. Well done, you. Oh, that looks brilliant. It made me pixel air. And I guess it is. You know, it's going for that, as you've noted, the Indiana Jones vibe that was clearly all the rage at the time at this point. We were just on that trajectory to Tomb Raider, aren't we? That's what we're, we're, we're in this yeah. thing. But is it any fun to play? And I mean, really, it's just Last Ninja turned turn 45 degrees, isn't it? Yeah, a little it's bit. Last Ninja scene. Less if, to if, do. If, if you had Last Ninja and you didn't see it in the isometric view and you think it, but, and to be fair, I did actually prefer the picking up in this to I did in Last Ninja because Last yeah, Ninja's yeah. stupid bend and 
handout thing yeah, it's yeah, just annoying true. at least you could just press one button to do you it you could just press a button you just press a space bar and i did once you knew where it was so that was all right and i did like the uh the idea once you figure it out like the getting water from the cacti with your knife and water bottle and the little gluggy takes and puts your water back up i think that's a really nice touch you can refill that um, yeah, as you're wandering yeah. around so i think you have to be pixel perfect as you said uh yeah but like you i think that they could have done a better job of indicating what you could interact with on screen like you find that chest and I had to watch a walkthrough because it's like you have to kick it. I mean, you don't have to kick anything in this game. You just kick enemies. Why do you no. suddenly have to kick an object? It, yep. there's, there's, a, there's a lack of sort of your moveset is, is multifaceted, but there's no indication of that. So it's like, you know, there could have been something where you had to kick something or showed you to kick something, you know, like they would do in a modern game. But I mean, obviously, but that's back then and it, it is what it is. Uh, and I was also, I was stumped. I got the machete and then was wandering around. Mm. What am I supposed to do? Is just, I was just wandering around the desert. And so again, I watched, that's oh, I've got, I mean. chop, I've got to chop down those bushes at the top, have I? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> why would I th- even think to do, it's like, okay. And then I got killed, but when I put the acid, on the thing for the um the monster and i didn't get out of the way fast enough and it killed me and it was game over so i was like okay yep yeah, I, I can I, back in the day i can see why this got 90 percent. i get it it's technically proficient and they're gonna love this kind of look and feel and it does have some nice touches and, and around and stuff and it, and it feels like you said it's a little more interesting thematically interesting than the usual find the thing to solve the puzzle type of game yeah it's got that thematic i give it and that. so that it does have that and, and and also as well you know like i said it's a it's an indiana jones style game of the time so you were just last yeah, crusade's yeah. not been out too far we've had the three indie films and things like that we've had what things like king solomon's minds and alan quarterman we've had all those kind of films yeah, so yeah. it's building on ones, that yeah. so in and of the time i can kind of see that something like this to these production standards would get a would get kind of a, a fair review and i guess that's why it did and like i said it's a, it's another early precursor to tomb raider but i'm a little bit torn on it because i'm like you you go back to it now and it's well it's just everyone's a wally isn't it <laughs> Yeah, it is actually. Really, it's ironic. Yeah, it's just everyone's a what? It's just walk, walk around, find stuff, use stuff in the right place. Or it's a, yeah. it's it's a, it's a more controlled version of you know Maniac Mansion and things like that. These games are very much find yeah. the thing, use the thing at the right place. With and we're gonna we're gonna tell you. Well, it reminded me of those um those early three D isometric ones that we played back in the nineteen eighty sixes eighty sevens. You know, the ones staff of is it staff of Carnath? Oh, you want about um ultimate ones? Yeah, the ultimate games there. Yeah, those ultimate play the game ones. It reminds me of some of those, obviously done in a different way, but those that kind of vibe. Yeah, with with the same kind of problems, strangely enough. Yeah. You have to have the things in in hand at the same time. So there's some nice ideas, but it's just it is it, at its heart. It's just to find the thing to use the thing. Twenty screens to the left or up or right. To the yep, walk and see type of game. That's what it is, isn't it? Tusker, Tasker, good name. Yeah, I like that. It's a good pun. I like that. That's all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you kudos on that one. Well done. Well you done. You have ten. Ten quatloos. <laughs> Absolutely. Yay! <laughs> you are one step closer to the elephant's graveyard with that joke. <laughs> That's what you are. Oh, there we go. That's Tusker. Uh, yeah, it probably deserves its sizzler, probably. Yeah, I'll be kind. Let's move on to our next one, which uh, I'm sure it's the second game. It must be Ace. <laughs> This is full price. It's nine pound ninety nine, and it is ah. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce that. It's arg. Uh, arg. 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 Would just write arg. Would <laughs> maybe maybe it was uh, dictate castle of ah. <laughs> um, oh, Melbourne House is back. Yay! 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 Right. I've, no, uh, I've no idea why. Um, they were, weren't they bought by Virgin and Mastertronic and something? I don't know. But anyway, here they are. 
It's down as Melbourne House. There they are with a conversion of this very obscure arcade title. Arg. It's A-A-A-R-G-H. We looked at the crap ages ago. It was a while Anyway, ago. why do I give myself these games to do the main review on? <laughs> why? 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 <laughs> why? <laughs> glad you got I'm glad you got it. So, arg. Castle of Arg. I'm going to read this bit from the wiki to save me some time. Arg is a single-player action video game in which the player controls a giant monster with the goal of obtaining eggs by destroying buildings in different cities across the Lost Island. It was designed for Mastertronic's Arcadia Systems, an arcade machine based on the custom hardware of the Amiga and was released in 1987 in the arcade. We may have mentioned the Arcadia system before, but from the wiki again on that, on that system, in 1987... Mastertronic started a venture to develop arcade games under the name Arcadia. The intent was that the hardware be based around the chipset from the Amiga computers and that the same and that the same game could run on both Arcadia hardware and home systems, reducing development costs. It's not a bad idea. This is essentially what uh, Sega did with the Jammer stuff and Dreamcast and things like that. So it's not right. the, the idea is not bad. However, Arcadia was a failure. According to Mastertronic's then financial controller, Anthony Guter, the games were of poor quality and not suited to arcade-style play. Guter noted that while those within Mastertronic who played games were aware of the difference in style between arcade and home games, the directors in charge of the company were not. According to Guter, Arcadia's failure nearly bankrupted the company. Aye. So the suits up top were going, oh, this will make it dead easy, just make some games. No, these are crap. No, they're not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you're so, crazy. And so we come to ARG. <laughs> this was ported to the C64 by Vicious Fish <laughs> from Marillion. That's why he left Marillion <laughs> I was for. Say, from the dark Marillion, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's according to the game. According to Lemon 64, it was developed by Binary Design, coded by Paul Gill, who also did Star Wars Droids. Oh, there you go. It's got visuals by Eric Casey. And visuals by Eric Casey and Picture Element. Picture Element. Picture Element. Hate that word. Too hard to say. And it's got music, though, by Wally Bebben. Here we go. When the game loads, we get a confusing <laughs> title screen with the word "ag" across the top. All the credits down the middle and the two stars of the game, the ogre and the lizard, randomly moving about on either side of the credits in that kind of the way that you would describe them, sort of moving around going, That's what they're doing. I didn't care for it. And the crappy ogre and lizard sprites don't promise much either. You can play as either of the two creatures by putting the joystick into port one to play as the ogre, or port two to play as the lizard. Whichever you choose, pressing the fire button starts the game. I'll say this right here. A looker, this game, is not. The main action takes part in the slower section of the screen, whilst at the top are two bars, one yellow and one red, <laughs> which have black borders on three sides, but not the end for some reason. I don't know why. There is also your score there in good old Commodore font. Always a sure sign of passion and quality in a project. The border is also grey. That's not good either. It just makes everything seem washed out and horrible. I don't know who thought <laughs> this was a good idea. You can start in a number of different locations on the island, but the premise is essentially the same. As the creature, the ogre or the lizard, you've got to wander around the single location and smash up buildings with your fiery breath or punch. At the top of the level is a cannon that roams back and forth for some reason, and birds fly in from side to side and drop rocks on you, depleting your health. As you smash up the buildings, so if it, controls are obvious. You just up, down, left, right, and hold down fire and push right and left to punch, or don't, don't do anything, press fire to breathe fire, that's it. Once the buildings are destroyed, they may reveal one of the lost eggs, or a power-up to increase the damage done with like a lightning bolt. Uh, should it be one of the eggs, then you are then transported to the Cave of Treasure, where you <laughs> must fight the other monster in the game for ownership of the egg. 
If you do so, then you're transported to another location. <laughs> you've got to do the same again until all five precious eggs are yours. Precious, precious eggs. Eggs. <laughs> eggs. Precious eggs. Precious eggs. As you're doing this, your health will be depleted as you take hits from humans and the birds. And should this reach zero, then you'll die in a most gruesome fashion, and it's game over. So on the face of it, this is a derivative of Rampage, as you control a big monster smashing up buildings and, chomp- and chomping on humans and stuff. Mm. But that's kind of where the similarities for this version end. So this is just awful, awful. From top to bottom, awful. The visuals are some of the worst I have seen in a long time. I mean, we played Blue Thunder last week, and I'm, or the other week, and I'm like, this, this, I don't know. Not uh, Awful blocky character graphics for the Duplo-style locations and the buildings and a fire effect that is just dreadful. It's just two characters. There's barely any animation. It's just crap. The main sprites scoot and wobble about the screen. Hip, 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 hip all over the shop and everything is character based so movement is jerky and you can't get past or through gaps that you should be able to control is a mess as you try and destroy the buildings with the shonky system of combat that gets even worse when you make it into the treasure cave i laughed out loud at several moments when i first jumped in the cave and this ogre and lizard are just bouncing around crazily i know what's going on but i laughed even harder when the humans fled from the buildings because they're just lowercase eyes (laughs) So bad. It's, it's just so low, bad. It's just a, they're just a lowercase i. We've played loads of these kind of things. Remember that <laughs> other one we played, the, the Godzilla, the, uh, no, the Chewits one the other week? The little people, yeah. the little sort of, they were sort of character cut, yeah, but they, they were, were a little they were character drawn. Yeah. They were all right. Yeah, Even in yeah. Rampage, the, the conversion of Rampage, the little people, they're just lowercase eyes. Just going it, it, character movement. <laughs> they're, character, they're not even scrolling. They're not even moving smoothly. They're just flicking from characters up, down, left, right. Just yeah. awful. And still bloody letter I. I was quite literally laughing. I was just, this isn't real. <laughs> this cannot be a full price product. There's no way someone went, yeah, that looks like a person. It's an eye. <laughs> it's an eye. Eye. <laughs> the cannon moving about and the colours are uniformly awful. And this is a game that made me pine for the great days when Melbourne House released Asterix and Fighting Warrior. The controls for the fighting in the cave are a joke. The health bar just seems to go down or up at random, and the death animation is stupidly gory. You collapse into a load of red, red goo, but it's just stupid. Full price. Full price this was. Full bloody price for the shoddy arse of a product. I'm continually amazed at how low the bar can seemingly go as each week it gets pushed further down. I thought we might not get lower than <laughs> Running Man. I want to go back and play that after this. Here we are. You will say R a lot while playing this, but not for the reasons the developers might be hoping. My last comment on this is just, Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> lowercase <Yeah>. eyes <laughs> for people yeah it's like it's yeah. like you'd see, if i loaded something up i've got this massive catalog of c64 games like fifteen thousand games in there sometimes we get the wrong game and so it's this thing written in basic <laughs> and it's just these you know think what people have just created and released whatever and some of them look like they, they're better than this but you know they use that basic and issues in character a full price game with lowercase eyes that, no. for people oh man this was dreadful. What did it get? 26%? No. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, this is Lee Enfield bad. This yeah, is this is. is bad. This is really bad. Yeah. Oh, oh, I hated this. Good Lord. How, how did you get on? Ah, It's rubbish. I mean, I don't know what manner of person spat this out of what orifice, but it's awful. This was coded by... A buffoon of the highest order. What in God's name is this thing, Adrian? What is it? I don't, ah. I mean, ah. Uh, it, well, as soon as it started up, I was like, never, never, ever 
create a logo in expanded sprites. Not around <laughs> me. Not post 1984. <laughs> Just don't do that. No. It's like bloody arc writing with its big chunky blocky edges. I'm like, ugh. And then there was just those, like you said, there's sprites. There's a, there's a, and it's just, it was like a sort of a, a horned man spinning around on the spot. Uh, even Wally Bebben's music wasn't very, particularly very good. No, either. I don't think, I mean, I, I'm getting this sense he never made the music for this. They just found that on a disc somewhere. <laughs> yeah. this, it had a Homer's homepage vibe about that <laughs> yeah, page. Totally. It was dancing it really Jesus, did. wasn't it? It dancing was, over exactly that. <laughs> 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 Terrible. And then, you know, so, I mean, the, the get, you can't actually call this a game, can you? It's awful in every way that anything can be. And at this price, and it's got really rubbish graphics, really bad. <laughs> really, just everything's bad. What is this stupid game? What on earth is this? Don't know. I started off and I was like, it felt like I was... I was some kind of lizard creature trapped between a load of barbecues. I'm like, what, what are you? What am I, <laughs> yeah. what am I can doing? I get out of them? I'm a lizard. Just bash them out of the way. I was bashing, then all of a sudden one of them just exploded and revealed something. I'm like, what? what is this stupid game? What are you doing? The controls made no sense. The graphics were terrible. I couldn't make out what I was doing. This is horrible at any price, but at full price, are you having a laugh? I mean, come on. This is just utterly, utterly, like you say, rubbish. I'm not going to spend any more time talking about it. It is horrible. Absolute waste of time. I feel sorry for people who might have got that as a, as a gift or has gone out and bought, oh, it's ARG. I mean, it was never an arcade I'd ever heard of. So it, no. would, it would have novelty value. And I'm guessing there's other versions of this on other platforms as well. Maybe oh, they're yeah, better. Oh, yeah, there are, yeah. Obviously the Amiga version but and stuff, yeah. At the point when you're, if you're animating a letter I to be a person, <laughs> rethink your life choices at that point. <laughs> and how did that get past any? Well, there's no QA process, is there? Just don't do it. Don't ever do that again. No, no. no. I mean, I've got, I've had students make some really bad games in my time. I had some great ones, but some real stinkers. None of them ever animated a letter I and told me it was a person. No. That's a special kind of stupid. So, no. Absolutely awful. Arg is the sound you make when it loads up and you see that blocky horrible logo. You're like, ah! That's exactly why they called it that. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the ah notion keeps happening all the way through. As soon as you press fire, ah! When you see the uh, battle of the barbecues begin and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse <laughs> it's, after it's that. It's just horrible, dreadful. Horrible thing. Total waste of time and energy. Avoid it at all costs. Yeah. Should speak about it. No more. No. <laughs> That's it. It's utter rubbish. Deserves zero for me. That shouldn't have been given a percentage. Yeah, I agree. Rubbish. It's just a rubbish. Utter rubbish. Nope. Absolutely <laughs> another, rubbish. Another one that's going to be fight. That's good. This is going to be com- comedically fighting out its way to, you know, for the worst game of it the is. year, I think. And not an egg in sight in that game, considering <laughs> it's an egg game. And that's very disappointing. No, I found an egg. Good. I got to the cave of treasure and I laughed as <laughs> it bounced of around. No, I'd be throwing that game into the game, into the cave of treasure, <laughs> otherwise known as the toilet. Like, in you go. There you go. That's I'll, the best I'll place put, for you. I'll put some treasure on you later. That's <laughs> <laughs> all you're good for. Melbourne House. Rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Uh, there we go. We've still got one more. Let's let's get on to that. Hopefully it'll it'll pick us up a little bit. Let's try let's hope. Graham, why I don't, why is this called, this is Omni Play Basketball? What what does that title even mean? <sighs> what does it mean? You know what it means, right? So I'll tell you what it means. This is from Mindscape, so that's what it means. I should just call this Option Heavy Basketball. <laughs> 
do you know, there's so many options in this game. They've created an option management system yeah. for the purpose of managing the bloody options. Oh, so guess who's designed it? You know who's designed this. It's 15 quid and it's from Mindscape, but it can only be one person. <laughs> so it's Design Star Consultants. It's, it's Ed Ringler again. Yeah, he's back. Tape, as soon as that table tennis logo appeared, I'm like, <laughs> oh no, sport time. It's a sport time game. <laughs> oh. And that music appeared. I'm like, oh. It was coded by Simon Finch, Michael J. Goodwin, graphics Thomas Cardin Jr., Ed Ringler Sr. The Ringlers are at it again. <laughs> Music's John A. Fitzpatrick. He's back. He's back. In pog form. Ugh. Oh, this game. It's a basketball game with a billion options. You can manage entire sports. It's like a, ba- a, ma- a basketball management type game as well as a sort of a, you know, in-play type game. There's so much to this. It's ridiculous. And for a layperson who knows very little about basketball, a lot of waste of time. Mm-hmm. And time is something you need with this, let me tell you. Because this thing slows. Goodness <laughs> me, this is a slowing game. Oh, nothing kills basketball. Can you imagine if you went to a basketball game? It's Ten minutes later. <laughs> right, everyone. Everyone pick a pick a colour shirt. Ten minutes later. It's like it's just it's just how it plays. It's this basketball with huge chunks of time of silence in between okay mm-hmm. so you'll get through that stupid oh, that music that f-ing music when it starts as soon as i heard it i was like oh no didn't you get past that thing with the table tennis local and the omni play basketball you're like well spot time great you know you're in for another you know option heavy exploration of a sport and how to kill someone's interest in something this time it's basketball fair enough Right out the gate, the slowing times are going to kill you and, and you'll be watching this. So anyway, <sighs> eventually you'll get your options manager N installer version 1.2 will appear. Great. What is it? A series of button options to do stuff. <laughs> button options that control things like the SBA Envy. Now, the idea of this is a basketball game where you can manage several different leagues. And in fact, you can even install new leagues into this and get them, download them. I think it's like DLC. There's a whole bunch of this. I think it's on four discs or four sides of a disc on the C64. God knows how many it came on other things. Millions probably, who knows? But in this, you can play the different leagues. Now, I don't know anything about the leagues of basketball at all. So all, no. all I can tell you is that there's the SBA League there's the Pro League, um, there's the College League, the Fantasy League, um, and all those, those things. And you can also change the different options for the side views and end views, and that changes how it looks and feels. And there are all options that I didn't have the time or the inclination to explore all of these options. I just wanted to play the game. And my challenge was, how quickly can I make it do that? So the first thing you presented with is an array of uh, 11 options, I think there are. Um, so you've got NV, SBA side view or SBA end view, pro end view, pro side view, college end view, until so you've got the different leagues and how it works. There's a print utility for whatever purpose, I don't know. I guess you could print stuff out of this. So it does go into the real minutiae of detail. Mm-hmm. You can install the extra levels, you can play, or you can humorously exit at this point if you've had enough already. By the time that's loaded, you might be hovering over that because there's a giant hand finger thing that you use to control it with. <laughs> and you sort of press the buttons on it. Anyway, when you choose that and you choose your options and click the play button, slowing happens. And then yep. you're presented with more options. This time you've got the sort of different team names and everything else. You can view the league history, the team records. You can reset the league. There's the OMNT screen, whatever the hell that is. You can view your team history. You can Im- uh, improve the team somehow. You can show previous games. This is a game where you, for the statistics and people who are really into this are going to dig all this. I, I don't doubt that. And I feel like I'm doing a disservice by not understanding a thing that I'm doing, really. So there's probably, all of this is probably very important to a real stats 
Stato, you know, basketball, you know, aficionado maybe. So once you've gone through that, believe it or not, you get even more options after that. Yeah. So once more. you've gone through those options, even more options. And, and there's a whole bunch of other options. I won't go into all of those, but you, you know, this is a game where you're getting into details about the teams, team stats, the team types. But even before you even get to that um, game, um, and there's more, more slowed in, um, there's like a pre-show thing that appears where you get two presenters, which then just kind of chat to each other. You can watch that if you want, or you can skip it. There's like a little video controller. Yeah, it's weird, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's also endless and really boring. They're, like, they're not funny at all. It's like, hey, Bob, what do you think about this? Well, it's great. I'm like, oh, God, end, end, end. <laughs> Ten minutes more of like, slowed in. And I'm still waiting to get into the game. And then, believe it or not, more options appear. Yeah. So this time, um, you've got loads of there's like a joystick in the middle and you've got to choose and this felt endless it was like do you want offense do you need offensive rebounding or offensive side burning or do you want to hit, <laughs> hit the boards i want to hit the boards do you want forward facing blah 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 backward facing blah 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 i just want to hit the boards do you need this do you want that more boards do you want this what about this what about that and it's just endless option option and i get it, it's like a coach management type game so you're gonna affect those choices but if you don't know what those choices mean or are, and there is an extensive instruction manual that goes with this. So if, you, if you're if you into it, you're going to be into this and you'll know what it all means. I'm, I'm not. I just wanted to, I kept hit, saying hit the boards because I wanted to see what the actual basketball game was like when I get to it. Finally, after loads of loading, it appeared. And what a letdown. Yep. There's <laughs> this half-assed, crappy version of a basketball court seen from the midline towards the um, the basket. Mm-hmm. Now you start off by viewing one half of that, and then if the ball crosses over to the other half, it just flips. So all of a sudden, you flip to the other side. It's really disconcerting when it does yeah. that. Like, ah! And then all of a sudden, there was just loads of players on the court, all running around in different colours, all looking at different directions, and not really seeming to know anything. There's a crowd of really weird, blank-faced observers. This is really kind of disturbing, uh, sort of dystopian basketball, almost in complete silence, apart from the sort of bouncing ball and a few spot sounds. Really dull. Now, we've played some other basketball games that were actually a lot better than this without all these options where you could just get in them. That that two-on-two game that we played, what was it called? It might have been called two-on-two, but there was yeah. some time ago we played one. That was that had a similar court view, but it was a bit more interactive and a bit more immersive than this. And we had that um, Jordan versus whatever no, it was called, we'll the other basketball one. No, it wasn't great, but it's still more playable in terms well, of the way it's got basketball. Just say international basketball and be done And with international it. basketball. But this thing, I mean, I get all these options and everything else, and this goes right into the percentages of how good your players are and how many score, goals they've got, sorry, goals, how many baskets they've scored and all of those kind of things. It goes right into the details of all of that. But this felt to me like it was just something was happening and I was just kind of, maybe I was part of it. Maybe the decisions I'd made had, had changed something. I didn't know what I was looking at. I had no basis for comparison. So what is probably a dazzling array of options leads all the way through. And we've had this with their games so many times before, leads all the way through to a tiny window that flips halfway on a near impossible uh, visual sort of compendium of basketball with loads of writing at the bottom quarter of the screen in terms of the player names and what who's doing what and in what way and the timers and everything else. And then the top half being where all the sort of action, quote unquote, action happens with just what looked like loads of mini little sprites running around in a kind of meaningless way with a really crap representation of a basketball court. Not what I expected after all that bloody options and all that loading. I mean, this is near and impossible to ascertain what's happening in it. And the slow loading literally kills your enthusiasm. So when you get to this, by the time after all that loading, you just go, what? You know, it made me angry. Now, the actual gameplay itself, when you're trying to negotiate what you're doing, sluggish in that basketball thing as well. The movement's jerky and not very fast. I expected uh-huh. more from this. And it's there's just more fun basketball games out there. And I don't really like any of these kind of games. And I certainly don't like this one. 
but I am going to give it a, a little bit of a hall pass because I imagine this is probably designed for a very specific kind of game player. If you're mm-hmm. into basketball and basketball management, then you're going to dig it. And it's probably everything you, you might want. For me, I find it in, almost impenetrable because of the loading and because I'm not into basketball. And I certainly can't be asked with all the options on it. Um, so somebody's probably going to like it. Basketball aficionados, so they're going to dig it. I am not of any one of those. So for me, it was a switch off because I got I got bored waiting for it to do stuff. What about you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, pretty much the same. So much loading, so much loading for this. And I've I've written it as well. I mean, it's my first comment. You really have to be a basketball fan to struggle your way through this one and get anything from it. You've got to be really deep into your basketball at this point in time and go, ah, oh, this is this is what I wanted. This is the you know the depths and the leagues and the options and the things and the full court bounce and the press and the run around and the yeah. What well, I don't I don't know. We get all the we get all the telltale details. It's an Ed Ringler game with all the menus and options and stuff. I don't know how he gets the time to keep programming all these games. Does there's another one next week, uh, <laughs> which I've just checked and you've got it. I'm sorry. I didn't know it was one of his. <laughs> I'm very sorry. But anyway, uh, the loading for this is painful, slow and tedious. Even in warp mode, I put my, I put it into warp mode. Yeah, I thought that. Endless. Endless. Just endless, endless. Just went, oh, I put it in warp mode. I was like, is it working? <laughs> just the little tower in the morning going up. What's going on? You do get to the game. It's so very dry and uninspiring. You can play it from the side, but it's, it's it's the typical you know these this uh, design star view of a game. It's what we saw with that football game with little sprites running yeah. around, going, little sprites running around, tiny like, sprites. Oh, it's like again, international basketball would be years old by now, but it plays a better game of basketball than this. I was, you know, go play that if you want a basketball game. And if, even if you like all the stats and stuff and depth that this game purports to have. I don't think anyone's got to put up with all this loading. I mean, it's slow. Yeah. It's dull. It's dull. And basketballs are, you know, you said it's a fast paced, not my cup of tea, but it's fast paced, running back and forth, lots of noise and drama and everything. And this is just dull and uninteresting. Omniplay basketball. It's a dull name as well, isn't it? What does it mean? What does Omniplay mean? It doesn't mean anything. Just to say, by the way, we've also got uh, next year, I've had, I had a look. Next year, we've got Omniplay horse racing. <laughs> Probably, oh, no. <laughs> that comes next year. That's next year, and that's and that. Yeah, can't wait. That I think is the very last one. So we've got two left. We've got two ringlers left. Thank God. That's yeah. how I measure time units now in the ringlers. <laughs> <laughs> this game takes ten ringlers to load. It's too many. Oh my God, that's ages. I'll, I'll see you later. How long are you going to be? Three ringlers. Half a, oh my gosh, half a, half a, ring- a beard. <laughs> Good lord. How long you had that beard? Oh, six ringlers, maybe seven. <laughs> Uh, right, where are we? Only play basketball. It's slow, but yeah, I'm, I'm with yeah. you. You know, we sort of, we used to say sort of thing to our students, sort of thing. Who's your game aimed at? What's your target audience? I yeah. mean, this this is aimed at a really specific yeah, target specific, audience. Yeah, very. And specific, they've made a game yeah. for them, so I, ca- I can't knock that. I guess and they'll probably play no. it and go, "Oh, it's amazing! It's amazing!" Yeah. Where everyone else goes, oh, just let me play something else. Yeah. There we go. How many play basketball? That's it for this half. That's three games. Of varying quality is, I think, the best way I'll describe those three. We'll take a break now. We'll come back. We're going to look at uh, lots of music from the UK charts for March. No, not March, October 1989. So please do stick around. And we're back. Uh, let's waste no time. Let's just get straight into it. Uh, let's, let's waste no time. Let's ride on time because that's still at number one for the first two weeks. No, I'm not riding on time anymore. No, (laughs) no. 
No, uh, we've had enough. We've spoken enough about that that song. Uh, replacing it though, maybe we should go back to talking about Ride on Time because <laughs> it's Don't. that's what that's what I like by Jive Bunny and the Master Mixers. Three weeks, three weeks, three weeks. They, these fools need to be trapped in a time prison <laughs> with General Zod and Norman. Yeah, just put them in the uh, Phantom sir. Zone. Be done with it. Get rid of them. Three weeks. Uh, that's 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 at least that's a, that's two ringlers for goodness sakes. Wait. Way longer than it should be, anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I listened. To, oh, we'll talk about it. Oh, good lord, this, this it's bad. It's really bad, isn't it? Anyway. Yes, they're all uh, bad. Those stupid jive bunny rubbish. Yeah, number one albums for the month. The first week we had the Seeds of Love by Tears for Fears. Some interesting bits on it. Yeah, they always have interesting bits on their albums. I'm never quite sure their albums actually stand up to a full listen, though. No, maybe they, not. Crossroads was the set uh, next week by Tracy Chapman. Yeah, we mentioned it last time, didn't we? Yeah, we've spoken about her quite a bit. Enjoy Yourself was the following week by Kylie Minogue. Uh, second studio album from her, bubblegum pop, dance pop, and disco album that mainly discusses romantic relationships. It received mixed reviews, Adrian, from the music critics who Ooh. criticised its similarity to a debut <laughs> release. <laughs> Real old, did they, really? It sounds like your first album. I wonder why. Is it Because it's produced by the same... People doing the same thing at the same time in the same way, exactly. It's rubbish. Stop it. They want garbage. Yeah. Um, and oh, for the cool. final two weeks of the month, we had Wild. Wild! Exclamation out there from Erasure. It was right. Wild. Their fourth album from them. Apparently, that's the one that's most popular with their hardcore fans. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. I didn't recognise barely a track on it. Maybe one. No. No, I didn't really either. Uh, let's get into some singles. First of October, in at number nine, was Chocolate Box by Bross. I can't say that thing. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Look, I admire anyone that wears, uh, you know, we call them stringers now. I think that's the popular name for them now in terms of like gym T-shirt type wear. They're wearing vests. They're wearing vests. Both the drummer's wearing, wearing a studded leather vest. Is that? Yeah. Is that? It's ballsy. I'll give them that. It is. <laughs> I, I took I took uh, umbrage with the title's a euphemism, chocolate box. It sounds a bit dubious. But yeah, the lyrics to the chorus go, don't you treat me, woo like a chocolate in the box, I know you'll take another. Which is completely different meaning to the title. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's like stupid vest-wearing idiots. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. make any sense. They didn't write any of their own material. They didn't know what they were saying. Well, call it chocolate in the box or whatever. <laughs> can. Well, that's a crap name to, either. He's not allowed to say the words in the between things. He's just not. <laughs> chocolate. Yeah, yeah, you can only do that. That's that noise. <laughs> that erases them, so we can't do it. All yeah, right, okay. Stupid rubbish. In at number 12 is, oh, God, this song. Street Tough by the Rebel MC and Double Trouble. I knew it was coming, this one. We'd mentioned it a few times. Dink, dink, did a dink, 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 did a dink, 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 did a dink, did a dink, did a dink, 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 I'm sorry, listeners, but I f***ing hated this. I know, I know. And in all fairness, I can understand it. Oh, it's the Nadir. The Nadir of this shit. <laughs> it isn't great. And the, yeah. Really oh, annoyingly yeah. catchy. Really, but it's got everything in it you hate in a track. It's everything. Like, it's like it's like they listen. They secretly listen to a conversation you had at some point. Going, what don't you like about songs? And you're like, oh, I can't stand the ones that do this, 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 and then just amalgamated all of that into one song. <laughs> yep. And then threw in some really stupid lyrics. Rough like a ninja, stinging like a bee. I don't get it. I don't. Why is don't a ninja wanna. rough? <laughs> don't know. <laughs> It's like uh, crap. It's like crap. Muhammad Ali lines. Oh, there is some shocking lines in that. And also, by the way, chroma key be gone, demon, demon, put chroma key in that. Be gone. No, no. It's uh, it ain't. Good, I can't unsee it? the blurry lines around those objects. I can't. No, no, no. <laughs> I hated it. Number twenty-seven is "Can't Forget You" by Sonia. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the video for this? Is it's another one of the stupid. Look at Sonia doing some funny stuff. 
But she's obsessing about yet another guy. Yeah. Which isn't a healthy representation for women of, of power, is it? No. And I find people that burst into songs generally around lockers quite disturbing anyway. <laughs> Just that's a personal thing. But she seems obsessed with the guy. It's a bit of a ratty looking thing, the guy anyway. <laughs> um, but the clothes that she's wearing in this era, such a fashion faux pas. They're so horribly awful. Donatella Versace screamed that loud. It still echoes through the universe and beyond. Yeah, so, so rubbish. <laughs> I, I wanted to know why she was mooching around a pommel horse. She, she was last time, wasn't she? Do you remember she was in the gym nicking that guy's towel? Yeah, she's always mooching around gyms for some reason. Yeah, that, well, that guy was, he was stretching, you know, on a piano like you do. And she's like, oh, give us your towel, <laughs> mate. And now she's in the gyms. Stop sniffing people's underpants, you weirdo. <laughs> I'm sure she did that. I just saw her mooching around a pommel horse. Who knows? Who knows what went on off camera? Who knows? Um, <laughs> number 28, though, is Leave a Light On, uh, Belinda Carlisle. Yeah, it's not a terrible song, is it? Also, I think so. I personally think this is a great song. Great yeah, chorus, right. um, and bad. she is absolutely stunning in this video. But you know, yeah, she is a bit, yeah. Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> it's like watching, I was like, I was like, wow, okay, yeah. Didn't expect that. George Harrison did the uh, slide guitar on that track from the Beatles. Really, it's good. It's a really good song, and it's got an unusual structure as well. I thought because it's got a bridge in and out of the chorus. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's just kind of you don't you don't it's double bridged. Yeah. So the two both bridges. those bits are great, and it's all good. You know, the verses are good, the bridges are good, the choruses. Good. It's just, it's just a really good sort of that upbeat pop rock tune. Yeah, you it's know. a good one of those, isn't it? It it's is a good, very and, good. Yeah, one. Like I said, she, you know, she's not unattractive in that video. <laughs> number number thirty two is "Love on a Mountaintop" by Sunita. Oh, this stupid, stupid thing! <laughs> <laughs> so much like her. So much like her. My eyes. My eyes. My eyes. So much like her. There was a lot of like her in that. I mean, orchestral hits, crappy song. Yes, definitely. The soul glow, strong in that. <laughs> very strong in that video. And if you know, everyone, if you know what soul, soul glow, but your soul glow, you know what, what I mean by that. And the dancing, well, it's very weak, which is unusual because she kind of looks like she doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> so at one point she starts dancing, she stops and she's looking around and like, you didn't know what you were doing then, did you? And they've just left that bit in. This is yeah. rubbish. Utter, utter rubbish. Yeah. And as you noted, making love on a mountaintop is very dangerous. Well, the lyrics are actually pretty rude in that song. If you listen to them, I mean, they're very suggestive. Ooh. Not just making love on a mountaintop, they're going to pump and do all this stuff. Let me tell you, that's a dangerous place to be doing anything. The air's very thin up there. <laughs> and you can very quickly fall into, get mountain sickness, and you could be asleep and drifting off into a nice place and never coming back. And as a testament to that, if you go up to Mount Everest at any point, there's lots of people who've gone up there thinking they're going to make love on a mountaintop, frozen into the side in horror faces permanently. They're the permanent residents, the ghosts of the mountain, because they once they've frozen up there, they leave them there, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they did. That went dark. Well, don't make love on a mountaintop. It's a public <laughs> information a film. Because <laughs> we'll be back, 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 back. Back, back. back. Yeah, don't make love on mountaintops. It's very dangerous. People don't Dad, like it. dinner's ready. Dad. Well, it actually ties into something that really surprised me. Maybe we'll post a picture in the show notes, but I found a picture. I'll, I'll have to find it again. It was of uh, the queue of people wanting to go up the summit of Mount Everest. Yeah, I saw that as well. Weird. And it's like there's a big long queue, and I'm like, what is going on in the world? So you know, like, that used to be a thing that you know people, rugged people with beards did. Now Bob no, Smith just... from down the chip shops doing it. Oh, I'm stop up Everest yeah. tomorrow. I'll be back back in a couple of days. See you later. Yeah, it's just, why is there a queue for Everest? There's a queue for everything. <laughs> there's too many people on the planet. But can you imagine getting up there and finding that? You're like, oh, finally we've got to the sub. Oh, wait a minute. Don't jump the queue. Get back. Oh, God, really? On a mountain? Yeah. 
that's looking to make love. Um, in, number th- in number 34 is Kennedy by The Wedding Present. Yeah, it's, it's, I recognise this one. I didn't know the title, but I recognised it as soon as he started playing. It's uh, just a favourite indie discos, this. Um, I hear this loads at um, Yeah, I had a feeling it time. might be up your street. Yeah. It's, it's, nice and, it's nice and catchy, and it's, yeah, it's one of the more catchy ones. Some of them can be a bit like, bit sort of Dreary. spiky sort of thing, mm. but this is nice and catchy. Good, good stuff. All right, that one. Uh, number four is "Wishing on a Star" featuring Lizzie uh, by Fresh Four featuring Lizzie. Please give generously for <laughs> UK dance music acts without enthusiasm. <laughs> it's a charitable cause. It's, it's just a dreary song sung by dreary people to being dreary. It's like oh, it was, God. yeah. So I mean, they made everything but the girls sound happy. <laughs> and I miss you like the deserts miss the. Ra- it makes that sound like a positively happy party song. Yeah, they made goths Goodness cry. Goodness me. <laughs> It's like the Prince song, <laughs> the, the alternative version. <laughs> yeah, when goths this cry. This is what it sounds like when goths cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, uh, number 47 is Bed of Nails by Alice Cooper. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid uh, song. The, chorus, the, the verse in this is not particularly very good. It's good intro, the verse is terrible. It's got a good bridge and chorus, and, and I do quite like it, but... There's some interesting, something interesting you like about the video. Yeah, it's got quality use of the gantry. You know, we, we don't see a lot of that in music videos. They're always on the stage. Very rarely are they up in the, the upper areas of the scaffolding and the gantry, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of gantry in this. And I welcome that quality gantryage <laughs> into into the musical fold. You know, I don't think the gantries get nearly enough love in music videos. They don't. All praise, good old and we get. And I think there's even more of it later on in another video. So, yeah, good old gantryage. Good old I like gantry. it. I mean, I clearly thought this was filmed at the same time as the Poison video with some different coloured lights. Yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like it's it got the same gear on. <laughs> it's got quality lyrics, though. I'll lie you down, and when all else fails, I'll drive you like a hammer on a bed of nails. Subtle. Yeah. <laughs> so, subtle, but not making a lot of sense. <laughs> not really. I'll drive you like a hammer. Yeah, because you drive the nail with the hammer. Yeah, I get what he's trying to say, but it's kind of all gone a bit wrong. It's it's gone very wrong, Alice. What are you saying? <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, our love is a bed of nails. Love is good on a bed of nails. Oh, okay, okay. You ride bed of nails with bed of nails. That's good. That's well done. <laughs> well done. Well done. With well done. <laughs> uh, number fifty-two. I want that man by Deborah Harry. I didn't realise this track was written and produced by the Thompson Twins, but when I realised that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I, I listened to it. I mean, I knew this song. I, I want that band. I, I, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I knew it. Put thing. I just can't help. I have a feel that those bands we've been mentioning, the Primitives, Darling Buds, all those kind of things, mm. that kind of drew inspiration probably from Blondie and those kind of that noons have kind of stolen her thunder somewhat. And I think this just sounds a bit bland and uninteresting. Yeah, I can't, I can't help but agree. It's often interesting. I think it's the third solo album, is it, that she does as well that that's on. It's just a bit nothingy. I think Deborah Harry was Blondie and Blondie was Deborah Harry, and she noticeably dropped the Blondie and became Deborah Harry for this. Mm. I still think she should have stuck to being Blondie and doing Blondie stuff. Parallel Lines is such a great album, and some of the others too. That this kind of stuff, this poppy stuff, she's churning out. It's all right, but it's not I mean, not Blondie. You don't go it, to so. the Thompson Twins for your songwriting. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that when I was like, really? And the Thompson Twins were called Alana Curie and Tom Bailey. They weren't even called Thompson. <laughs> No, it's the out the out the out of the uh, out the out of Tintin. Uh, Tintin, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're out of Tintin. Well, or are they? Well, obviously, they are. Yeah, I know. Uh, and at number sixty-five is Oxygen Four uh, by Yomiel Yar. 
Did you watch the video for that? I did. What bit made you laugh the most? I don't know if it was all of his Zoom faces. <laughs> My bit was the bit where when he turned to the camera and then an O would just appear in his eye and said oxygen yeah. for no reason. Yeah. And then when he's tapping his foot, he's oh, tapping, he's his, tapping foot his, his foot on his name. With his, with his crinkly shoe, yeah, he's tapping his foot. It's just, I mean, it, that video was obviously produced way long ago because the, the song came out in 1977. It was, it was produced in 1976. So yeah. it gives you an idea of how ahead of its time the sounds in it are. Oh, massively! That yeah, that they still sound quite fresh in 1989. And it's still it's still a really good, really good tune. Yeah, it's great. It must be off a TV show for a re-release or something. Well, it's, it's, it's something. an album out, isn't it? He's got an album out, a sort of live oh, yeah, album. So I presume, yeah, yeah. It's it presuming it's something like that. But yeah, it also made me laugh as well when his face appeared in the uh, when he played golf with the world. That made me laugh. And then his <laughs> face appeared in the world. It just looked like he had a crap beard. It did, and all those head zooms gave me a real um, goal. <laughs> very beginning yeah, yeah. No, it gave me that sort of uh, day-to-day on the hour type vibe goal it was a bit like that I was like oh, here we go sports desk with Alan Partridge goal right, it should be written on the back but it's blooming not it's, it's blooming not it's blooming not 8th of October uh, we've talked about this uh, Number. It's, that's what I like Jive Bunny and the Master Mixers went in at number 4 no hate it yeah, I hate that too. Number 26, The Road to Hell Part 2 from Chris Rea. Hey, this is The Road to yeah. Hell. I listened it to Part is. 1. Is it as chirpy? It's, well, it's just an instrumental intro to it. It's four minutes long. Yes, God. <laughs> and then it cuts into this. I, I, the only thing is, it's the mainstay of to a thousand dad rock albums. Oh, isn't it just this? It's on loads of them. All those albums you buy, you know, Dad's got bought at Christmas. Yeah, Dad, you'll have to like this when you're driving. Put it with all the rest. <laughs> Yeah, let me put that track on when the kids are in the car. This is the road, because I'm taking them to school or whatever. Um, I always felt, and I, and I listened to the Leonard Cohen tracks, Everybody Knows, and Waiting for the Miracle, and you, you can't help but feel that Chris Rear is channeling Leonard Cohen at a certain yeah, point in that song, because he so. sings and it sounds very much like it, but you know maybe they're just two depressing peas in a pod. But there you go. Yeah, very much so. It was better than what's at number 28, though, because that was Lean on You by Cliff Richard. <laughs> he ain't leaning on me. <laughs> it's not. My defence head will come out. Sepia. It's used all the sepia up in the world on this video. There's no, oh, more, there's no more sepia there's left. <laughs> no, it's all gone. <laughs> Where, it, it, where's, where's the sepia tint on Photoshop now? He used it all. He's treading on those thumbtacks again, isn't he, to get that kind of <laughs> pain look in his eyes and all the rest of it. So, yeah, sepia rubbish. Gulf. Rubbish yeah. song, rubbish video, rubbish. Yeah. Number 42 is Oh Well by Oh Well. Very odd track that is. What a weird song this was, yeah. It's really strange. It was a massive hit in, in gay nightclubs in the 90s and clubs like Heaven and places like that, it was huge hit there, which is why I think it's somehow entered the chart. I don't know quite how or why it was, and or any of the tales of its release. We probably need Gary to be able to step in and help out there. He was you know, often frequenting Heaven nightclub back then, so he would know. Mm-hmm. Uh, number he? 45, I Feel the Earth Move by Martika. A tragic thing, that. It's, re- it's such a fall from grace. Such a fall it's from really quality weird. to your second song. It's terrible. I don't get it. I, I mean, it's a it's a cover of Carol King's 1971 song. And I don't understand why you would choose that song to cover. It's a really, it's not a great song anyway, but it's certainly not a very good ver- song to cover. And it's such an adjunct to Toy Soldiers that it's almost like it's a different person singing it. Yeah. And there's loads of chin in that video. So there's like they're obsessed. <laughs> the camera's obsessed with their chin. It really is. Just yeah. like a chinny chin video. I don't know. It's that, you know. So it is that. I feel the earth move under my feet. It's a really weird, crappy version. It sounds awful. Really sad that that's, you know. And I, I, I can only assume that the marketing powers that be in the record company must have taken a, a dislike to what she was producing with Toy Soldiers and the stuff that, because later she comes up with Martika's Kitchen, which was a Prince 
song that mm. was penned for her. Something went horribly wrong. Why you would choose to release that, I have no idea. No idea. No, Awful. I don't know either. Really weird. Really weird release for her. Uh, number 49 is Trail of Tears by Dogs Damore. God, this thing. This is rough even for them. Yeah, it's more awful pub rock. This is played by four geezers in a pub that you just be like, oh, I'm off, I'm leaving. It's just four dodgy geezers and and, no, and his voice can no, blend an egg. <laughs> so nobody wants that. He'll, he'll blend your eggs for you. You know, they'll scramble in the in the actual shell casing. <laughs> in, even egg. before you bought them, you'll go to the shop and you'll pick up the <laughs> you pick up the pack and you're like, oh, damn you, Damore. <laughs> You've been in here, haven't you, and scrambled the bloody eggs, you scrambler. Dirty scrambler. It's just it's just all <laughs> gruff and dodgy around the edges. I don't know. I don't like it. Don't Looks like either. he's probably going to nick your rubcaps off your car. <laughs> Number 54 is Run Silent by Shakespeare's sister. Uh, I'm not a big Shakespeare's sister fan. This was a very unusual thing. I know, but when the video came in, I thought, I know someone who liked that. <laughs> yeah, me. If Stuart's yeah. a lucky man. Yes, I imagine he was. Yes, she, she seems very happy in that video. Lots of flowery outfits and things. Yeah, I think she's just happy to be out of um, banana armor at this point. She's bit barely recognizable as well in, in this guise of the sort of gothy look, isn't it? It's quite incredible, really. Yeah. Because it's not bad, decent enough poppy song, I suppose, but yeah, you know, what it is. It's certainly, at least it's different. They're not doing what everyone else is doing. They're doing something a bit different. Credit where credit's due. Yeah. Number 60 is Silver and Gold by ASAP. Yeah. So ASAP are the band that the guy from Iron Maiden made when he wanted Iron Maiden for that year. Oh, so ASAP is Adrian Smith. That's the AS. What's the AP? Yeah. <laughs> Um, that stands for something like uh, and, and something. Um, I can't remember. You'd have to, you can, you can, yeah, it's, it's got. It actually does stand for something as well. Yeah. Um, but either way, it's it's you know it's Iron Maiden light. It's Iron Made off. <laughs> oh, oh, brass gentleman. Brass gentleman. Yeah. It's just not very good. No. no it's, it's not I, good. I, I label this as sub Saxon. It is very sub Saxon. What's weird about this is that they were taking a break from their endless touring schedule. And he took a break by making another album completely. <laughs> and going on tour. <laughs> and going, that's not a break. <laughs> I think option. you misunderstand what we mean by break. <laughs> Adrian, what are you doing? I'm having a break. <laughs> <laughs> Driving around doing loads of stuff. 15th of October and at number 24 is I Know by De La Soul. Oh, everyone remembers it. It's a bit of a classic track. It's good enough if you like De La Soul. No, it's all right. Was this the De La Soul track? There is a De La Soul track that's pastiched in, is it Fear of Black Heart or TV4, whatever it is? Yeah, it's in Fear of Black Heart. Yeah, there is one in there. I forget which track it is now. There's, there's My Peanuts, yeah. which is probably one of theirs. <laughs> Even planters ain't got no nuts like these, My Peanuts. Um, yeah. And there's, there's a few others in there. You'd have to get the soundtrack and check it out. But yeah, yeah yes, well, essentially you're right. Yeah, there is. Because they all split up. They're all in a band together. They're in, obviously, um, NWH. And then they go from <laughs> NWH and they split up and go their separate ways and they all fall out. So Ice Cold falls out with their <laughs> their version of Ice Cube falls out with their, or Ice T falls out with their version of uh, one of the other ones in it as well. So yeah. they all sort of, you know, they go and do their solo projects of which, as we've spoken about before, the new form antics was one of them and things like that. So. <laughs> I'm just a human. Um, <laughs> number 26 is Scandal by Queen. It's not on my best of Queen playlist, so. No, I didn't I didn't know this at all sort of thing, but I, I didn't actually think this was a bad song, though. I think, ironically, this takes a nosedive with the chorus. I think the verse and bridge are really good, but the chorus is when it goes, just Scandal, whatever it goes. Like. I was like, oh, no, it's got to be off. But the, but the verse and the bridge are pretty decent. But as you've noted, it's uh, it's not subtle. It's it's about something. No, he- heavy on message. Yeah, leave me alone. Imagine you just say, leave me alone, you knobheads. And call it that. Call it what it is. Because <laughs> yeah. then uh, Brian May would be able to lift his guitar up and do that Brian May lifted guitar look that he does. Oh no! And the thing is, the, the, the media at this time, for context, the media were really 
hounding Freddie Mercury, poor yeah. Freddie Mercury, and because of obviously his lifestyle and everything else, because of course yeah. it was a big scandal for him to be anything other than you know some kind of you know. I mean, he, he called the band Queen, and he was very, very you no know, walked around in it's white, obvious. white spandex and, and leotards. It was, and you know, it, I mean, yeah. it was obvious to everybody that you know he was it was obviously going to be a, a, a homosexual. It was obvious. Yeah. But for some reason, it was a big scandal in the newspapers, and they hounded him really, and because he led quite a flamboyant lifestyle. So what? He's just a he's a rock and roll star. But that wasn't good enough for our horror media that we have. So they had to sort of try and make a big thing and torch the poor guy with it all. Terrible, mm. especially when he's going through complex stuff and obviously tragedy later down the line as well. So not nice what they did. Number twenty eight is "I Thank You" by Adiva. I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a great stabby trumpet tremor in the force for this oh, one that wasn't it just my gosh the power of the stabbies there's like a thousand trumpets cried out at once <laughs> and then we're instantly <laughs> silent <laughs> yeah but you know nice circles but it's a diva but other than that R&B soul forgettable for me I'm not into it so nah, not no not for me either number 36 come on and get my love by D-Mob introducing Kathy Dennis yes Kathy Dennis's first ever outing she looked It's amazing really, that she had a second outing after that. Yeah, she looked really out of place and uncomfortable in this video. I felt like I didn't particularly enjoy looking at it because everyone else was running around, but she just looked like I didn't really know what... I felt a bit like, do you, you're supposed to be looking like that? You don't look comfortable. No, she's. I think she's 16 maybe in that video, I think. So she's quite young. Right. Um, she emits this awful sound at the start. She's singing out of key almost all the way through. She does much better later down the line, remember, but she co-wrote um, I Can't Get You Out of My Head for Kylie Minogue. So she's a talented songwriter and, a, and later down the line, she becomes a much better singer than this. Mm. But this doesn't quite match. I'm not quite sure where they were going with it. So no, uh, no. Uh, Number 76 is Listen to Your Heart by Roxette. Big power ballad, isn't it? It is. I've not realised just quite uh, quite how much this this could just be a share song. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Just feels like a share song to me. But you know, yeah. no, no doubt in it's a decent power ballad. Listen yeah, to your in the list, isn't it? Very powerful. 22nd of October and number 13 is All Around the World by Lisa Stansfield. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, I, it's a good track from Lisa Stansfield. I know it's no, it's not your thing, but she's a very good singer and that's a very good example of her singing. Very popular track, but like I said, you know, if you don't like that kind of stuff, you're not going to like it. So. I do not. Not for me. It's number 31 is... Ne- <laughs> no, no, this one, you know, Never Too Much, number 31, by Luther Vandross. Oh, that bloody song. I mean, as soon as you hear it, you know it, don't you? As soon as you hear it, you're like, oh, it's that one. Yeah. What was it? How'd it go again? I've quite forgotten. I'm quite tired. And I don't want to hum it because it'll be, then it'll be stuck in my head like the earworm that it is. I'm quite happy with Leave a Light on for me in my head at the moment. That's what's yeah, going around in Yeah, mind. exactly. Uh, it was always played in the hour of shite at the Pier 39 nightclub <laughs> yeah. night scene in Cleethorpes, though, because they used to, you know, at a certain point in the evening, they'd put the hour of shite on clear the dance floor a bit, get a few people back to the bar. And yeah. so they'd put an hour of utter guff on, and this was normally played there. So you'd get a few people getting their, get their smooch on and the old pier nightclub dance floor, you know, amongst the broken glass and and, <laughs> and other things on there. Uh, number 32 is State of Mind by Fish. <laughs> stupid. Stupid that he did this. Uh, yeah, it's more Cod Row than Caviar, this. <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, the weird thing is to this is like, it, obviously Merlion have gone and done their own thing with a new singer. So this is clearly, that was clearly an acrimonious split. So, you know, obviously he, he's managed to escape his keep net and now he's uh, <laughs> laying his own musical eggs. But the song's absolutely awful and he's singing, he's terrible and out of tune and it's got bad chroma key. Yeah. Those things are unforgivable. Yep. All <laughs> bad. But not as bad as the next one coming up. Number 39 is Take Care of Yourself by Level 42. What is going on with that? Ooh, what, what, <laughs> what, what was this? 
Where did I this come know. from? I don't. Even, there's not, not even part of me remembers this. No, uh, thank God. I, I, I think my brain had erased it, or I just yeah. didn't see it. it. Sounded like it should have come from an '80s comedy film at some point, maybe. Maybe it has that vibe. It's totally it didn't sound anything like their other stuff, really, either. No, I um, thought weird. the the song and the video were just a shit sledgehammer. Yeah, very much so. Did you see more dressed as punks as well at one point? I just I can't, I couldn't handle it. You know, when he's following the things around, the, the, the visuals around the thing, and it's that chroma, yeah. it's more chroma key nonsense. It's like, no, stop it. The Glonk had a uh, had a Moeekin at one point. Yeah. That should never be. That shouldn't <laughs> be allowed. And I got, I'm got. thinking, I'm going to get the eye bleach out in a minute because I can't take any more of that. But it's just because he ran his fingers across the sides of his head and his hair just, you know, withered away. <laughs> he just ran his thumbs across withered it. Away. Thumbed. And he's like, oh, now I've Moeekined myself. He thumbed his own hair off. <laughs> It glonked it. Number 42 is Tell Me When the Fever Ended by Electribe 101. Oh, this song, sung in the key of pigeon attack. <laughs> there's, a shock, there's a shock pigeon for you. <laughs> it's just loads of ooey-yari, ooey It's a really weird song, very yeah. out of place. Didn't dig it at all. No. Number 44 is Drive On by Brother Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> More low polyism. The back. Polyism, the back. Why is he strumming a guitar at the beginning of that? And there's no guitar in that entire <laughs> track know. whatsoever. I don't know. He's from another song, I think. Absolutely stupid. Chromicky trumpets though. Yeah. Uh, that, that isn't the person, by the way. <laughs> that video there that I've is. Li- that video that I've linked to because <laughs> there is Chromicky trumpets. Chromicky trumpets. That video that I've linked from the beginning of Going for Gold, because that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> yeah, it is similar. Yeah. It is. Those tacky sort of golden animated trumpets are so yeah. bad. <laughs> That's what I was like. It looks like going for gold. Chromie King sort of, so they fly around him. It's like, oh, just stop. Make the low polys and make it end. Make yeah. it end soon. <laughs> <laughs> In at number 50, <laughs> it's not all by status quo. <laughs> As soon as I saw that drummer, I knew it would make you laugh. As soon as I saw it, I was like, my gosh, that drummer's hair is a golden mat moss. It's the the fabled golden meatball of legend. (laughs) The legend of the golden meatball is true. true. There he is in status quo. He's hiding all along. Goodness me. Where did he hide that? Don't know. He's got a golden helmet. It's just dreadful. Oh, and the song is awful, even for Quo's standard. That's not good. Yeah, more awful dad rock. Terrible. I mean, that's bad by the even for them, it's not great. So goodness me, but well, at least you got the highlight of a golden head, you know, golden <laughs> meatball. You found the golden meatball. Well done. Well Absolutely. done. You can get. You're going to the Campbell's factory <laughs> <laughs> on a magical tour <laughs> hosted by Willy Meatball. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the Willy Wonka, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's the golden meatball. Can you find them? Can they're, you out find there. they're out there. There he is. Dad, I found the golden meatball. He's in State Square video for not all. We're off to the factory, lad. <laughs> Absolutely. All the meatballs you can carry in your pockets. <laughs> Just put some meatball on the desk at the yeah. end. Can you imagine when you come in the site, right? Come in, everyone. Come in. What's the prize? You can you can leave here with as many meatballs as you can carry. <laughs> but the curry and gravy. Yeah, that they are, yeah. There they True. are. True. Yeah. I hope your trousers are waterproof. <laughs> You can get more in your pockets. <laughs> Shove them in. <laughs> Shove them in. Get them in there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't sit down. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's just half gravy in there. You can squish that out. <laughs> you want matter, not liquid. <laughs> oh, the legend of the golden meatball. Yeah, Here Charlie and the Meatball Factory. Okay, that's the, the book Roald Dahl should have made. <laughs> he should have been with Willie Campbell. <laughs> in at number 52, You've Got It by Simply Red. They haven't. They've got nothing. Oh, this song. Yeah. So trite. It's so trite. And he sings into a shower head. And I don't like that. I know it's that. 
supposed to be a microphone. It's simply dreadful, as I put, but, you know. I'm yeah, sure we've done that sim- pun before. Simply, we have, but it's, it's, still, it's still valid. It still works. Simply dread. Simply <laughs> dread the bread. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay, let's get on. 29th of October, edit number 17 is Never Too Late by Kylie Minogue. Crap, so song. Hate it. Yeah, it's no good. And a weird video as well where she's on stage in various outfits. Yeah. Dancing. No, not good uh, outfits. And at number 22 is Another Day in Paradise by Phil Collins. Uh, Phil Collins, <laughs> Ode to the Transient Community. It's always nice, I like to think, when a multimillionaire sings songs about tramps and how hard life is for them. Yeah, he cares. He's showing how he, he cares as he you know, walks past them as his millions on his way to the bank. Yeah, exactly. As he, as he drives past song. in his Rolls Royce, he goes, do you know what? Those tramps have a real hard life. Keep going, Jeeves. I'm going to make a song about them. Are you going to give any of the profits exactly. there? <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Distribute drum kits to every tramp in London. <laughs> well, that's no good for them, is it? Get them houses and that. They'll just, yeah. Where are they going to drum from? It'd be noisy. Number 23 is Grand <laughs> Piano by Mixmaster. I knew you would hate that from the second it started. <laughs> You're right. I didn't. I felt my balls crawl up into my stomach. <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> I also thought that that sample they use really dodgy. It's not good. No, it's, it's not terrible. very good at all. It's really not. No, my lord. <laughs> but at number thirty-one, we had "Born to Be Sold" by Transvision Vamp. <laughs> Everything about that song is confusing, Adrian. Everything, everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. The lyrics make no sense. The video makes no sense. This is the Chewbacca defense <laughs> made into a song. This does not make sense. I couldn't get my head around what was going on. No, I, I didn't understand what they were, what she was singing about and it made no sense compared to what I was looking at. Why are they walking around the streets of London? It sounded like a cover as well. I thought, I know that guitar part. It's probably because it sounds like a lot of other ones as yeah, well. Yeah, probably. They're derivative, aren't they, at this point? Not good. Yeah. In at number 42 is Rhythm Nation by Janet Jackson. More gantries. More gantries, yeah. More. I like a good gantry in a video. It's a good trend. I'm liking it. Mm-hmm. Good production on that track. Quite amazing, really, actually. Very, very, you know, very funky. Very good. Yeah. I mean, this is it. We've talk- I've been talking about this for a while, but this is this is the song. This is it. This is that sound and style. This is it. Yeah, Boom. One five-minute video. This video is ace. It's absolutely brilliant, this video. I mean, backlighting done right for once. We've seen so yep. much backlighting done badly, but in here, it's, it's the, the black and white use, the, the, the editing is so good. It's so good in this, the way it's cut together. Yeah. The dancing's ace, the style, the style in this video is just off the chart. So, and, and it is good. Not normally my cup of tea, these kind of things, but this is a no. great, great song. And you know, if you're wondering where this kind of, you know, um, the sort of um, choreography leads to, just in your mind, cast it across all the boy bands and things that followed and all the other sort of girl bands that follow where they have a few people stood in a row doing unified sort of synchronized dancing. Take it even further down the line to diversity and things like that. Yeah, you've got yeah. those, you know, yeah. And you've got, so that's there. A lot of the stuff that you see now is this, you know, this is principally where that kind of choreography is yeah. really I mean, obviously the she's mainstream. Bu- she's building on the stuff that her brother did with, with things yeah, like oh, yeah, Thriller yeah, and all that kind wrong. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it calls yeah, from yeah. that. But the, but what I like about this, I just, there's something about the, I really like the sort of this, the, the Rhythm Nation kind of aesthetic that's going on with yeah, the yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just Good. whoever came up with all that, styling for her at this point deserved all the money they got because it just it did, works yeah. so bloody well it's so good it's like you know a, a, an overall agree. overarching theme and sort of like right we're going to package you and the whole thing is going to be this yeah. and it's no top I, to bottom really good stuff. really good really good stuff yeah quite agree number 44 is don't ask me why by the rhythmics i won't you're not got to worry with that but for <laughs> god's sake please get annie lennox some vitamin d injections <laughs> she's a bit pale pale goodness me <laughs> uh <laughs> It's weird, isn't it? Because this is what I said about the album. They, they, they seem to have looked at Roxette and said, we'll have a bit of that. Yeah, funny you say that, because I thought the same thing when I saw that. I was like, she's 
They've got they've got a look, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it looks like if you you could swap them out. Yeah, you could. Same sort of spiky hair and same sort of guy droning in. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally get it. Mm. And at number fifty is Doctor Feelgood, Motley Crue. Yeah, you'll eye roll before you watch that video, and then you'll watch it and you'll be like, mm. the video's not great, but I do I do actually really like the song, I, and it's a great intro right. to this. Um, I think this song, I think that this is you know far above their contemporaries for me. The sort of those, those yeah, it's, it's all right, it's all right. Um, it's really got a good riff to this song as well. I, I don't know, yeah, it's one of those songs that I do like. Not all of them, yeah, but I like Doctor Feelgood. Finally, to round off the month for singles is number seventy, Sacrifice by Elton John. Not my thing, that. Yeah, I just Not wish there was no sacrifice. Because he kind of honks more than he sings. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of, you know, he's a bit honky, isn't he? He's known for his goosing. Well, he's, his mouth is in his nose. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mr. McGlegg with a leg for an arm and an arm for a leg. But he's got a mouth for a nose and a nose for a mouth. Oh, old mosey nose, old mouthy nose face. <laughs> yeah, that's him. He can sing. Um, he can sing two-part harmonies through his nostrils. It's clever, clever. Uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, right, let's let's whip through the albums. First of October at number seven was Season's End by Marillion. No fish in this cadaver. <laughs> There's no fish left at the Season's End, as they find no, out normally when they've uh, you know mm. fished all the fished them all away. He's gone. Fifth album. They cost themselves as neo progressive rock. All right. <laughs> What's that mean? Okay, I, I, it doesn't mean anything. No, it doesn't, does it? <laughs> Number eleven is Searchlight by Runrig. The album's derivative nonsense. Sixth album, sorry, not my thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, not my thing either. Number eighteen is Candleland by Ian McCulloch. That's his debut solo album after leaving the, after his patch from the Bunnymen, Echo and the Bunnymen. Mm-hmm. Your thing? No, I've never been a big Echo and the Bunnymen or uh, Ian McCulloch fan. Never, yeah, never really. Enough, been I thought it you might me. be. Um, I find him a bit meh. Um, okay. And this just sounded like more Echo and the Bunnymen to me because it's just it his did. voice. It's just, you yeah, know, you can't sound... mistake that. No. 8th of October, and at number one, as we said, was Crossroads from Chasey Chapman. Yeah, we mentioned that before. And number five was Hup by The Wonder Stuff. It's quite high mm. for them. Yeah. Dogs yeah. on Strings, was it you said? <laughs> yeah, it was for the first album. This is not so bad, this album. Uh, and this <laughs> is a better album, I always thought, than the first one. They can afford dog leads now. Yeah, they can. And they've got those glowy collars as well. They really move uh, them up in the world. Okay. And belts for their trousers. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no, no. No, no, that's that's third album. That's third album profits. <laughs> Still string and uh, Hessian. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's sort of string braces and Hessian underpants. Yeah, <laughs> the rough kind. Itchy <laughs> on the inside. So itchy. <laughs> Number six is Oh Mercy. Oh Mercy by Bob Dylan. Twenty mm, sixth album. Bob Dylan. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, that's a no lot. No one's of got albums, that many albums it? in him. No, he's got quite a few. So apparently, it's hailed as a critical triumph. I'm not sure why. I've never really followed Dylan, so I no. don't know what that means. I don't know. It's hailed as a triumph for Dylan, and he got to number thirty. <laughs> it's like number that's 30. probably good for Dylan. <laughs> probably better than Zebedee's. In at number fifteen is here today, tomorrow, next week by the Sugar Cubes. I wish they were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't like them. So this isn't just this, this means nothing to me. No. At number sixteen is Yar Live by Yomi El Yar. Uh, hence, the, yeah, like you said, the oxygen relation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yar Live's always worth watching. Yeah, I mean, he's always you're always going to get the crowd pleasers, aren't you? Like yeah, waiting for do, Custo. Yeah. yeah, maybe not that one. <laughs> maybe Rendezvous. I'm thinking and blip blip. Yeah. Blip, blip. Yeah. Oh no, he's doing. Wait, can you imagine? He went to Jar and he's been waiting for you. It's forty-five minutes long. Oh, it's, it's the size of an album. What are we is doing? he playing instrument or is he is he is he hitting <laughs> something with a? Is he in a frying pan blip, with a blip. with a wooden spoon? Blip, blip. <laughs> oh, no, he's Custo. Why are we waiting for him? It's just rubbish. <laughs> get, get Custo off. <laughs> That'd be the worst, wouldn't it? You go play oxygen. No. 
Waiting he should have called it waiting for custard, though. If it had been waiting for custard, I'd have got behind that a bit more, I think, because custard's nice. I do like custard. Yeah, and it's worth waiting for. Cousteau, on the other yeah. hand, never turned no. up like God. No, <laughs> never, I've never put Cousteau, as you call it, on your sponge. It renders you powerless. <laughs> Cousteau. A bit of Cousteau. Can I have some Cousteau with my sponge pudding, please? You mean custard? I mean Cousteau. I've been waiting for it for ages now. Bring it along. Absolutely. Make with the Cousteau. I want my rhubarb and Cousteau. <laughs> rhubarb. My rhubarb and Cousteau. Where is it? Get me my rhubarb and Cousteau. You call this Cousteau? No, I call it custard. Get out. Celebrate. <laughs> Um, Get out, Jar, you idiot. <laughs> Don't come back. It is not Jar. It's a yummy yell Jar. <laughs> Only Red Bull understands me. <laughs> uh, number 32. People have no idea what we're on about. They're probably probably a good thing. Yeah, probably. And number 32 is Liquidizer by uh, Jesus Jones. Your thing, this, isn't it? <laughs> Your story that you wrote, though. Uh, <laughs> took a downward turn. <laughs> I gave it five out of ten. <laughs> yeah, I didn't write that. That's that's the, that's the that's their official blurb. It's the debut album by British rock band Jesus Jones. After various lineup changes, the members of the band moved to London. <laughs> Mike Edwards would diversify his musical taste. Guitarist Jerry DeBorg joined soon after in May 1988. Edwards acquired a sampler which would further his songwriting. With the addition of keyboardist Ian Baker, the band signed to EMA, EMI imprint food records by the end of the year. Initially enthusiastic about working with producer David Motion, <laughs> recording sessions with him were fruitless. Craig Leon then produced Liquidizer in mid-1989, helping to give the album its signature tone, though the members would later be disappointed by the mixing. <laughs> do, do, five, do, do, do. five out of ten. <laughs> to be fair, if you if you hire a Borg to play guitar, you know, you you, you get what you pay for right there. <laughs> yeah. I will assimilate all your songs. Just can you just stop saying that and just can help just, us out with this? Because they're playing some power chords. I don't want to go through all this and be disappointed by the mixing at the end of it. Right? So get on with it. <laughs> I have mixed it to be exactly flat. <laughs> I am Jerry Borg. <laughs> Otherwise known as five of six, whatever they five call themselves. Five out of ten. <laughs> I am five yeah, of ten. Yeah, it's his name, yeah. He is five of ten. Fifteenth <laughs> uh, of October, in the number one, as we said, was Enjoy Yourself by Kylie Minogue. Rubbish. So yeah. guff. So guff. Uh, at number six is Results by Liza Minnelli. Yeah, ninth album by her, produced by the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, that's weird. But uh, It yeah. is a weird album. Uh, number 11 is Automatic by the Jesus and Mary Chain. Not my thing. No, there's only two of them with a drum machine, whatever. Number 12 mm. is Hats by Blue Nile. Weird Scottish band that I'd never heard of. <laughs> no, I've never heard of these either. But it was the band's most successful album, reached number 12 on the UK album chart and spawned three singles, yeah. Downtime so Lights, did. Headlights on the Parade and Saturday Night. Never right. heard of them. Nope. Porcelain at number 13 by Julia Fordham. Mm. Again, probably good, but not my Dinner, thing. It's, I listen to it. Dinner party music. Yeah, it totally is. That um, right. Number seventeen is Freedom by Neil Young. Seventeenth about Neil Young. Yeah, and I, I know this because of Keep on Rocking in the Free World. But I suppose as much as I know. Yeah, I, I, for everything I probably should know about Neil Young, I know very little. It's just yeah, it's always been a bit like, oh, I don't know if I should listen to Neil Young or not. No, um, Gary digs uh, Neil Young, doesn't he? He's well into him. He digs everything though. Yeah, that is true. He, he's always there's in the nothing he doesn't dig. It's true, true. But I remember him playing me the uh, Neil that the Neil Young album way, way back in the day. You remember him putting that on when we were at his halls of residence when he was at university, wherever the hell he went to university. Look, he went to London, didn't he? London, yeah. So mm. I remember him putting that on and going, no, this is quite a catchy song. Hating all the others, though. Yeah. Number 35 is Coming In for the Kill by Climby Fisher. Climbies are back. Yeah, it's quite a bleak title, isn't it? 
It is quite dark for a climby fisher, isn't it? Yeah. It's the dwarf. The dwarf no one wanted is back. <laughs> the dwarf no one wanted is a children's book that he wrote, surely. <laughs> climby. I'm climby. Bog off. Uh, number 42 is The Iceberg, Freedom of Speech by Ice-T. Yeah. Lots of anger and, and you know, and a really, you know, it's controversial immediately. Dark. <laughs> let's let's say, say no more. Dark. 22nd of October, straight to number one was Wild by Erasure. Yep. Spoke about number two, The Sensual World by Kate Bush. You like Kate Bush? You, you like probably Kate like Bush. that. Yeah. Number four is The Time by Bross. Destroy them. <laughs> Fly my pretties. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At number nine is Scarlet and Other Stories, like All About Eve. I kind of outlined that last last time, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you did, yeah, Eve. yeah. Robin Hood makes a key <laughs> yeah. appearance in that one. It all went a bit folksy. And they, they broke down. It wasn't a very happy time. I could do that one, and I could read that, and you could do the uh, our tune music. <laughs> um, number twelve is Deftum and Blonde, Deborah Harry. Yeah, that's the album with the said track that we listened to earlier. It's all right, pose. Number twenty three is Feeling Free by Sydney Youngblood. I remember Sydney I don't Youngblood. Know much about, I remember him, but I don't remember much about it other than it's just you know it is what it is. So. Yeah, it is what it was. Number thirty three is Pure by the Primitives, which you'll be like shocked to know. Sounds like the primitives. <laughs> Sounds just like the primitives, that does. In at number 40 is The Magic of Foster and Alan by Foster and Alan. Another in the long line of, <laughs> of Foster and Alan titles. Yeah, I wish it was them doing tricks, though. That would be much better. <laughs> it, would, it probably is. In at number 20, 29th of October, in at number two is Welcome to the Beautiful South <laughs> by the Beautiful South. I get the impression we don't like that. I've called it pretentious ass. <laughs> you've issued it with a smug obiter warning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're very yeah, smug. Both. Both those things. In at number four is Runaway Horses by Belinda Carlisle. Yeah, great album, that. It is a good album. Good, fun album. Number five, Stormfront by Billy Joel. Yeah, we didn't start the fires on that one. No, there you go. That's what that's all about. They probably don't like it then. No. And number nine is Spark to a Flame, the very best of Crispy Burger. That's it. He's back in burger form. <laughs> number 12 now the fish nor flesh by mm. terence trent darby really weird I, I i i listened to it you looked to the album i listened to it the first seven minutes i thought what the hell is this it's really weird they wonder why it was a commercial disappointment it's like, <laughs> yeah. you really you wonder why yeah listen to have you listened to it weird it's really odd really strange thing yeah maybe gary likes it but we certainly didn't and at number 22 is bizarro by the wedding present not not for me that but maybe it's your, again maybe it's your thing i'm never a big fan of their albums uh, but that single kennedy's all right number 29 get ahead curiosity killed the cat that smugometer should be in there by the way yeah if only it would have bloody killed the cat we wouldn't have had any more would we no we would not number 35 is hot in the shade by kiss yeah first album since whatever because it's kiss and whatever just kiss facts (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. if you like kiss you're gonna like it because your kiss fans like everything they do you could lay down and do a dump on someone's record player (laughs) and put the needle on it and try and play it and they'd go that's brilliant that is (laughs) paul stanley you're a crazy crazy man that's a good that's nearly a good title for a track it is i mean you know if you like them you like them i don't particularly i don't hate them but i yeah. They're just kiss, aren't they? They're the ever yeah, living. They they're, they're, they're the mumra of, uh, uh, of, of uh, music <laughs> they bands. Yeah, That's they're not looking they so great now. The crazy, crazy <laughs> nights have kind of taken their toll. <laughs> I should hope um, so. So I and I think they're, so. A bit, they're a bit closer to God giving rock and roll to them, I think, to say, to say the least. So <laughs> Yeah, true. And there we go. That's it. That's your music. Lots of smugness. Some decent stuff, though, but, you know, usual, but crap at the top. Jive bunny. Mm. Crap. Crap at the Awful. top. Awful. Right. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We've still got three games to get through. Please Ooh. do keep with us. And we're back. We've got still got three more games to get through. Let's get to them straight away. The first up, Graham, 
is Shinobi. 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 Full price, £9.99. Um, this came from Virgin. It's the C64 port of the arcade Shinobi. Like I said, full price, nine ninety nine. It got 86%. Ooh, la la. 86%. And for that, you get the game, the bosses, the shuriken, the whole damn thing. <laughs> so the original game from Sega, it spawned loads, loads, bloody loads of sequels and spin-offs. There's loads of Shinobi Just. stuff. Tons of them. I'm not going to go through them all, but this is the original. This is uh, the port of the original game that was released in 1987. It was a bit of a smash, this, when it was released. In Ooh. Japan, Game Machine listed Shinobi in its December 15th, 1987 issue as the most successful table arcade unit of the month. Yay! We like it when it's the most. In the United States, Shinobi became a blockbuster hit. It became America's highest-grossing arcade conversion kit of 1988 and, again, one of America's top five highest-grossing conversion kits of 1989. Cool. Blimey, Governor. This was a whopper. This is a big game. And I, I remember playing this. I remember playing this in the arcade. Here for the duty on converting the C64 version, we have Simon Pick on coding duties. Ah, good choice. Yeah, he did Nemesis and Microrhythm, among others. Mm. Uh, the graphics and title screen are by Ned Langman, and the sounds are courtesy of Tony Williams. There we mm. go. For full disclosure, I played a cracked cart version of this, made things a little less onerous on the loading side of things. So just Fair to play. Um, I don't know what they like, but you can get a cracked version of this and it's on cart. So if, um, if you're going to play it, go get that. When the game starts, we get a cool ninja looking at us. It does. And he's, got a, he's got a ninja symbol floating around. It lands up on his forehead. Kind of cool. And this is like straight from the arcade. So it's straight from the arcade. There's a sort of ninja in that and this sort of Japanese symbol going around, I think, which means Shinobi probably. And it sort of lands on his forehead. And essentially, aside from the the ninja in the arcade, he's giving a bit of side eye and he's looking to the side going, who, who? That didn't happen on this. Uh, and the you get the word Shinobi appearing over the, the symbol. But apart from that, this is pretty much just like the arcade version. So this is a really nice intro and just like the arcade version. Even the music here, I thought, was a very, very good version of the arcade game music. It's got that same high-pitched tune and bass twangs, which we kind of get. Um, and it doesn't sound, we've said this before about a couple of tunes we've heard for arcade conversion, it doesn't sound like a C64 tune. And I thought it captured that that Sega sound pretty well. I don't know what you thought, but um, mm. I thought it, it, it kind of didn't feel like a typical C64 tune because it's not, it's coming from the arcade. And I thought it's done a pretty good job of capturing that. Anyway, once we're past that, we're on to the game. There is a story of sorts. I'm not going to go through it. It's very stupid. And in the, you, you play the ninja, you play Joe Musashi, and you're basically rescuing kids who have been stolen by some evil dudes. And you got to go across the city in various stages and various locales and stuff and just rescue children. That's basically what the story is. It's enough for the arcade. In, and, you know, you don't need much else. So the title screen, basically, that's kind of the loading screen, that ninja and the music. So uh, once we're past that, the title screen, this is quite nice. It's got a series of clips from the game. Uh, again, it's just like the arcade. So we've got the sort of interstitial bit. We've got some levels sort of playing around. Uh, and it looks quite nice. It's good. I like this. It feels like an arcade game. Pressing the fire button again just gets the game going. Shinobi itself, for the two people who might be listening and don't know what it is, is a mm. side-scrolling, left-to-right, hack-and-slash-and-shuriken affair, I think it's safe to say. There are two levels to some of the stages, sim- kind of similar to Rolling Thunder, and you can leap up and down between these levels at will. Controls are simple enough, left and right for movement, up for jump, down for crouch, fire to throw shurikens, or do a leg swipe if an enemy is too close. So that's quite good. And space bar unleashes your magic ninja power, which sees loads of ninjas sort of float around the screen. And you can use that once per stage. The C64 version has 13 stages, and there are Ooh. five bosses. They're actually counted as, actually in the arcade, those boss stages are actually counted as part as separate stages. So technically, there's actually 18 stages to this, because they're all there from the arcade. So one after, so you've got a boss after stage two, 
There's another boss after stage five. You go through three levels. Another after stage eight, after stage 11. And then finally, there's the final boss after stage 13. All straight from the arcade game. The entire arcade game is replicated here. Good. Should you kill the final boss? Well done. You're a better gamer than I am because I couldn't I couldn't get that far. The stages scroll mainly from left to right, but you can go back and forth along the stages so they're not just going that way. You they, they do scroll the other way and you, sometimes you'll have to in, as you'll need to go up and down to rescue the children who are in or different parts of the stage. And also as well, some of the stages actually scroll vertically as well. So at certain levels, you will be going upwards or downwards. So that's quite nice. They're a mixture of straight up slashing and throwing shurikens. You get power-ups such as bullets and stuff which do more damage. And there are like some complex platforming that you have to navigate as you're sort of going around and boss people are wandering about and you got to slash and shoot them and take them out. Bosses, when you fight them, are a mixture of things from a, there's a massive giant to start off with who mm. kind of throws fireballs at you. There's a helicopter, which you've got to shoot the weak point on while loads of ninjas pile out of it. There's a load of face statues, which is kind mm. of a weird one. There's these loads of statues which you have to kind of take out and they're all moving towards you. They'll find there's a big face on a wall and you have to sort of throw the shurikens at that. Then there's a sort of samurai-style uh, dude who sort of you have to fight mm -hmm. things like that. And then the final guy is sort of just this leaping ninja guy who just leaps around all over the place and you've got to take him out as well. So nice variation in the, in the bosses. Uh, the point, as I said, of each level is that a number of children have been kidnapped um, and they're basically just, as you're walking along, you'll just see them and they're scattered about the stages and you just essentially just got to walk over them and there's a number of them to collect. I say collect to rescue and you've got to find all of them and you have to rescue all of them before access to the next stage is granted as I found when I first played it. I was like, well, I'm at the end of the stage, move on. And I was like, oh yeah, I missed a child. You have to go back. You've only got five lives to do the job. I think there may be extra lives at certain points, but I'm not sure. So the task here is a tough one. I have to say, so that's it, basically. It's, it's an arcade conversion. There are plenty of levels. You move through them. They start off um, on sort of on the streets. Then you end up going through factories and all kinds of places. I'm not going to go through them, but it's just a big, cool arcade game. Just about every aspect. I think this is a pretty impressive conversion, I have mm. to say. I think all, to, all about this is a really, really impressive conversion. Just about every aspect of the arcade has been included here. Every stage is almost an exact replica of the arcade version before it. So they've done a really good job in getting the level layout um, and the bosses and everything. All the bosses are exactly the same um, as they are in the arcade game. All, the only thing that's different, obviously, we're playing with a, a more lower resolution and play area. So although the, the size is right, what it means is we've got a bit more confined area. So the first boss is actually really, really hard because you're in a really confined space compared to what you've got in the arcade version. You've got a bit more space to jump around and avoid the fireballs, and the controls are a little bit snappier in the arcade. So it took me quite a few goes to actually manage to beat him, but I... I, I Essentially, I just used my ninja magic on him. I just saved that and used that on him and then hit a couple of times he was dead. So that was all right. But beating him normally, just kind of think I couldn't do it, but that's probably just my old man reflexes at this point. No, it's what it is. I thought the controls were mostly pretty tight. Every shuriken throw and power up is here. Um, and like I said, even the nearby leg sweep works as well. Um, and I think this is a testament to Simon Pick. He's done a damn fine job in cramming this all of this onto the humble C64. The arcade parent ran on Sega's System 16, which used a Motorola 68000 and a Zilog Z80 as CPU processor and could handle up to 128 sprites at once. So, and, it, and that was that. Those actual um, chips and stuff were the basis for the Mega Drive Genesis. You know, that's the next step up. So, this is a pretty impressive 
conversion here to get it all in. The visuals on the main game are very good. There's a really good main character, solid animation, plenty of enemies, all of a very good size too. So take take note. What was that Dragon Ninja game with its? Yeah, you may have sort of high res overlays, but these are kind of medium res, but they work much better. They look they look more representational of the arcade rather than those kind of high res ones which we got um, in that Dragon Ninja, which I don't think work particularly well. So these aren't little sprites. They're decent-sized characters that fit the arcade game. The stages are equally well-drawn. There's a good use of colour throughout. And even on the second level, when I got there, there's a, there's a, there's a section where you can go... The, the above level, which you jump up to, is uh, behind a fence. And so you walk in behind a fence, which is a really nice effect as well. Everything looks and moves really smoothly. The bosses are all very good versions of the arcade ones. You know, there's a big helicopter that comes on. There's the samurai guy. There's the, all the faces and the statues are all there. It's all here. They've done a really good job. The, the, I thought the screen uh, scrolled smoothly, good scrolling in all directions, and no problem with anything from this from a visual point of view. The UI at the bottom, easy to read. Um, it's got your score, number of lives, number of children left to rescue, and the boss's health when they appear. Nice and simple to understand. After the boss fight, they've even included the bonus section where you've got to throw shurikens into the screen as ninjas approach from the left and right across two levels from either side of the screen. And this is way better than that one we saw in the Fist Plus game, um, which was pretty rubbish. This works really well. It's really fast. You throw shurikens really fast. And reminding me, this is where when there's that the ninja shuriken throwing game on the Wii U in Nintendo land. Um, and you know this is um, definitely kind of... Yeah, yeah. Totally get that vibe from it. Yeah, you see that obviously they took that they took that from this, but it's the speed which you can do this. You can throw it's really fast, really impressive, really good. It is. There are a couple of niggles. There usually are, but I thought the collision on the bullets from the enemies that shoot you seemed a little harsh. Because time and time again, I sworn I ducked only to be hit and killed. I just didn't think it was either. It was, I wasn't reacting fast enough, but it just seemed just to hit me from a bit far away. Or there's one where you, they shoot. They're on. You're on a, a crate, and they're on a, the bullets are just underneath the top of the crate, but they could still kill you. They hit your feet. I thought it was a bit of a pain. Mm. But um, so yeah, and there's also a weird. There's a weird issue when jumping when you're up against a crate. Kind of if, if you walk and you get up to a crate, you have to kind of let go of moving and then. Jump jump up you can't use the diagonals normally when you're walking you can just push up to the corner and do a diagonal jump um but when you get to the crates it kind of don't work you're kind of stuck you have to sort of stop and then jump over kind of, kind of weird i don't know why weird issue mm. um so yeah so you got sent the joystick and then it's, it's an odd one but i don't know why it's there but maybe it is um and i tried this on different versions uh tried a disc version as well i tried both joystick and keyboard and it still did it so there's obviously something in the game that's just a weird bit and it kind of just ruins the flow a little bit because i wanted just to jump over it but you kind of just get used to it because you just jump earlier when you get there and I, the other thing was it's a little slow to jump between levels so you have to hold the fire button and push up or hold the fire button and pull, pull down i think you do mm. i think it's that way around um and, and it is a bit, sort of yeah. just, you just react you, sort, you kind of float you go Ooh, but it could have been a bit faster <laughs> And he, because you've got to hold the button and push up, ooh, it's very, it's very. That's what it feels like. You just float up. It totally is that. That's brilliant. I found as well that when I was on the top layer, especially in the first level, the enemies at the bottom would just be spawning around, spamming around beneath me. So mm. I couldn't jump back down because as soon as I jumped back down, I kind of just landed on them and they'd kill me. Like yeah. that. So a little bit like that. But you know, small niggles. All that aside. This is a really, really very good conversion from Mr. Pick, like like he did with Nemesis. Nemesis was a good conversion. This is another yeah. equally very good conversion. I, I don't actually think you could have done any better with the with the Humble C64 to, for this game, considering the, the arcade conversions we've seen of other similar 
left to right, hack and scroll of shoot like mm. Rastan, Dragon Ninja, Khan, of all those kind of, we've seen loads, loads like this. And that, this is probably one of the best, if not the best we've seen. Yeah. Um, so I think you really should be applauded for this. Like I said, there are a couple of issues, but they're minor in light of what has been achieved here, which is a solid, all the arcade game is here. And it's really, really kind of representational of the arcade. Clearly, obviously it's not as fast and stuff, but it is what it is. I think, I think, what did this get? 84, 86%? Yeah, this should have been a sizzler all day long. If things like New, if New Zealand Story got a sizzler last time, I think this is equally as good, if not better, as a conversion. I think this is more impressive than that. I think this is really good. Who did this? From Virgin. I can only assume that Virgin didn't come loaded with money to the uh, Zap offices for the Mega Ocean episode we had last week. But uh, I don't know. I thought this should have been a sizzler. Solid stuff. This really good. Really good conversion. Really enjoyed it. Enjoyed my time playing it. What about you? Yeah, same. It looks the part, doesn't it? That nice loader with the ninja face and the sort of shinobi. Add an arcade vibe to that as well. Yeah. I played the cart version as well, so you know I made good on the loading times. I needed it after the slowing of that stupid basketball game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Okay>. Ringler. <laughs> <laughs> I'd already waited ten ringlers for to get to this point. Um it, I mean it's all good, you know, the loading sort of happens, it's you know, it's all interesting. Maybe the game itself is a tad quiet. Maybe the actual in-game a little bit, so if it's a criticism to throw at it. But it plays like Shinobi, it looks like Shinobi, you know, he looks like a ninja. It's kind of a ninja version of Green Beret in some ways, isn't it, a little bit as well? Yes, and that some of those that's probably why I like it. <laughs> yeah, I thought it, you know, but there's nothing wrong with that. That's, you know, that's not a bad thing. It's a, all What I like about this is what we've seen with a couple of the other recent arcade conversions. It's all there, yeah. and it's a good approximation of the arcade. It's not going to be arcade perfect, because it's not arcade perfect hardware, but the graphics look pretty good, it controls really well. The sluggishness is odd because he's, the jumping up and down the, so the layers is a bit sluggish in that way. But the movement of the ninja itself, when you need to duck bullets and things, is super fast. So yeah, it's sort of you know you sort of you have to take the rough with the smooth a little bit. But he looks the part. Um, I thought the controls were okay apart from that one little thing, but I got used to that. Um, but you can duck and get around and maneuver your way around. It is tough, like you'd expect it to be. But the turnaround if you die to starting again is fast, so you can just keep getting at it. So it doesn't delay things like Green Beret didn't. You know, you're not waiting for long sequences, you know, you sort of straight, almost straight back into it and away you go again, which is kind of the arcade mentality of it, really. And then you've got even got the throwing star section and stuff in there as well. It's got all of that kind of a track mode vibe going on. A very competent conversion of the arcade. A good C64 effort. Um, and I actually really enjoyed playing it. Um, there's enough to keep you going at this. Loads of levels, loads of good stuff, loads of bosses. What's not to like? You know, well done. A good conversion, finally. You know, improve. Again, they're in the right hands with the right bit of attention. Things, Good things can happen. I'd have paid £9.99. I'd have been very happy with my purchase for that. A good game, that was. Nice to see it as well. Nice to see a decent version of Shinobi on the 64. 86%. I'd have given it maybe a tad higher than that. But there is a couple of little niggly issues. It is a bit quiet in the game. Um, and um, it, there is also that kind of you know sluggishness now and again. Not bad at all. And not a glitch, multi, you know, a multiplexer glitch in sight. Yeah. That's nice to see as well, because so many of these level platform type games like this, aside from Green Beret, have had loads of those weird glitchy issues where half a leg appears on the right and you're chased by, you know, a ball or something from no reason whatsoever and platforms get stuck or things like that happen. I didn't get any of that from this. So well done. Enjoyable. Good old Shinobi. Love it. Yeah. I just think, like I said, in comparison to something like New Zealand Story, which I think we had more issues with mm. um, on the whole, I think this is a better conversion. I think it's uh, even yeah. down to the sort of, even down to the sort of images of, uh, is it Marilyn Monroe on the wall at the beginning of the, the sort of second stage? Exactly. Yeah. You know, those kind of background images, which they've sort of got in as well. I think it's just a really, really solid conversion. Yeah, Are you right? It Probably is. is a bit, maybe a bit quiet, but I think, 
in the playability stakes, it's, it's there. Yeah, it's played, but and you know, there's going to be a compromise. You know, it's, you're cramming an arcade game into a C64. There's going to be compromise, but it still remains playable and fun. And and there's a lot to go at. And it's nippy. It's fast. You know, yes, there's that sluggish jump, but everything else is kind of fast, and that's quite nice to play. It's got a good fluidity to it. No, it's good. It's a good game. Really good yeah. conversion. It's nice to see that these recent conversions have been doing a little bit of justice because we had so many, you know, aside from ARG, which is just crap anyway, but you know, but there's been so many that have come along and they've just been kind of a little bit half-hearted up until a certain point. And then there's been a few recently that have actually been pretty good and this is one of them. So good, good stuff. Yeah, there we go. Shinobi, we like it. Let's move along. We've got a good other game beginning with this. Hopefully we might like that just as much. So Graham, it's time for you to, it's not football, it's skateball. <laughs> Good old skateball. Good old confusing skateball. <laughs> what's, not, what's not to be confused about this? Publisher is Ubisoft. Interesting that it's Ubisoft. Oh. Okay. Coded by Tim McCarthy. He did Andy Cap and Cosmonaut. Which one was Cosmonaut? The crap one. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the graphics are by Bruno Cortaleschi. Um, he did Iron Lord graphics. Um, he also sounds like an extra from the film Aliens. Um, I'm pretty sure he's the one that gets lost. Where's Wabowski? He's with Kotaleski over there. Um, and the musician is Holger Nipping. Good name. And Adam Bulker. I like those. They're just good names. <laughs> Nipping and Bulker did the music. Oh, good that. Now, the packaging material for this is a bit weird. Yeah. And there's, it's not a, there is probably a blurb for this. I'm not going to go into that. It's a futuristic sports game, you know, a la the future. And the objective is to score goals against your opposing players. It's a kind of a two-on-two game. It's a bit old, a bit weird, this. So it's another futuristic sport game, clearly thumbing the pages of the speedball handbook a little here, but kind of missing the point in almost every way that you can. It's a really odd fusion. What's weird about this is the way it's described in the packaging material. It says, as their objective, for example, at the bully-off also known as the face-off, the ball is placed in the middle of the pitch between the two strikers. Now, in the blurb that's in the Moby games, it's almost implied that this is an ice skating rink and that they're hockey players. Anyway, your objective is to score points by getting the ball into the goal. So it's a ball-in-goal game. Good old ball-in-goal. Yeah. We had a few of them for a while. Ball-in-goal. Each time one of the team scores five goals, you both advance to the next level. At every fifth level, each team gets an extra substitute. The extra substitutes are represented by helmets in the black rectangle at the back of the field <laughs> each level is different is it is it though <laughs> <laughs> is it uh, except for level one all levels have obstacles they do which you'll want to avoid or your striker will get killed killed that's a bit harsh or items that you'll want to bump into and then this sort of so it's a one or two player game a two on two future football ice hockey it's weird because in the other blurb it says that you've got two players it's played on ice skating with with hockey sticks and yet they don't hold hockey sticks and it doesn't look like a puck. So I don't quite know where they've gone with that for Moby, Moby games, but whatever. Maybe it's played on ice. It looks like it because the background is all blue. And so maybe they're sort of skating. And the way it controls is quite skiddy and floaty when you control your play, which you do with the joystick. So the idea of the game, then you've got to bez around, controlling your player, sorry, with the joystick, grabbing the ball thing and scoring past goalie opponent person on a two-on-two type. So it's the goalie and then you've got your striker. Mm. So um, after the weird selection options process, which is... <laughs> says keep saying so press, confusing. press the red button. <laughs> which one? Which one? Which one's choose? Is it red or green? Why is there all these little options and in UI that you can click on and they don't do anything? Oh, and oh, it's uh, stupid. Anyway, so eventually you'll get to sort of try and start the thing off. So after you've gone through that and you've selected one or two player, which is a confusing mass of things, eventually you'll start the game. 
The main window is a kind of, I think it's an ice rink. I don't know. It has markings like a five-a-side football arena, though, really. And at the bottom of the screen in a row, it's, a, it's like a row of splodgy faces. I mean, they're kind of human, sort of human, maybe. I don't know quite. They've got really grumpy expressions, though. I do know no, that. No one knows. Um, and in the middle of that, there's some kind of UI graph thing. It's like a map. I don't know really what that's for, but it's there. Weird. Anyway, you essentially skid around trying to um, grab the ball off the opponent and throw it into the goal, which you can do by... And to get it off them, you can just sort of slam around them or you do this weird knee jump where he sort of does a double <laughs> knee jump. It's really odd. And then if you get through that level, the next one's got obstacles in which you've got to sort of not hit. Otherwise, you die. I don't know. It's just, and you can also die if you do sort of hit them in the wrong way or if, and if the face-off doesn't happen. There's loads of ways to die in this that just happen. Um, so you need to score goals. And there's 50 levels of that, believe it or not. No, <laughs> no. And, and it says each one is different. They're not. They're all kind of the same. You skid about. It's in the ball thing, and it's balling hole. It's not very exciting balling hole. The graphics are bitty with the player sprites looking something human-shaped, I suppose. The scrolling left and right, such as it is, is okay for what's there. Uh, and you get when you score, you get this kind of weird score screen that shows giant numbers and your crowd, which don't move. It's just really, it's just really unsettling. It's like six, two, next thing. And then it's just back to that thankless skatey backwards and forwards, get the ball, knock it in the hole. It's not exciting at all. There's nothing in it. And it's just that repeated. That's kind of what the game is. The two-player is a two-player version of that. It's not, and I didn't play two-player, but it, it's just dreary logic to this. This lacks all the finer details that are required. It does have a nice loading screen. I'll give it that. But everything that made Speedball great at what it is, is not in this. And this nope. is clearly leaning into the nope. Speedball idea. So they've they've gone, right, what can, you know, we can't rip Speedball off. So what can we do? do? Let's do a futurist sports game where they were just playing two-on-two football, well, one-on-one football. It's the most boring game ever made. Nobody had watched that in the future. Rubbish. Nope. And why would anyone buy this for price when you could just buy Speedball anyway, which is way better than this in every way and a much better futuristic sports game in every way that it could be? Sound, maybe it's okay, I guess, for what there is. Nothing terrible there, but nothing really rememberable. But this is just a dull attempt at making a Speedball-type game with no passion behind it, no razzmatazz, no thrills. This is a no-frills Speedball. This is Aldi <laughs> Speedball. This is why it's called Skateball. Yeah, it's exactly. just not very good. If it's meant to be like Rollerball which was kind of the, the way the, the graphic, that lo- the loading graphic is very rollerball, the film rollerball. But this is, if it's rollerball, there's more pl- there's more players in rollerball. So that it just it's just, in, it's a NAS speedball ripoff and it's not very good and it's full price, which makes it very expensive speedball ripoff. Go and buy speedball if you were thinking about doing that at this time or play speedball and don't bother with this one. 45% is high for this. That's saying it's half good. It's not. This should, if it was one ninety nine, I'd maybe give it a bit more of a pass and say, okay, it's one ninety nine, mm-hmm. so you're not going to, cry yourself to sleep over it but if you shelled out a tenner for this and you go around to your mate's house taking your clutching your lovely copy of skateball and he goes should we play skateball and go no we'll play speedball instead you'd be like oh why did i buy that stupid piece of shit i hate myself and i hate my life and you'd need to rethink your options wouldn't you so i I thought it was rubbish it's a rubbish ripoff of a better game and not produced by anyone it surprised me ubisoft had anything to do with it so nah do you like it? No. Weirdly, when this gets re-released, it gets renamed to Skate Wars. Even worse. This is the budget version that's come out next yeah, year. Right. Um, uh, I think it's the first thing I've written. <laughs> uh, it's ugly. It's ugly and it horrible. And ugly speed and cheap. Ex- and Speedball exists. So what the hell is Stephen doing? Who thought this was a good idea? Oh, chunky, messy sprites skate around a bland arena kicking a ball. No. <laughs> no one wants No one wants football on skates. Nobody asks no, for it. No, they don't. Nobody wants it. There's a reason why that doesn't that exist. Even Rollerball was like, it's we, we're on skates, but we're not going to... Imagine Rollerball. There's James Kahn skating around, booting a, ball, booting a steel ball about. It's just stupid. And you can't 
I don't know if you can find it. You can't even kick the ball at an angle. You can only kick it directly left or right, to which mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. And you, you, so if you're going at a diagonal angle, sort of aiming for the goal, you kick it. It'll just kick it along the horizontal plane you're on. No rubbish. It, this negates any kind of strategy or trying to score anything because you can only kick the ball straight at the goal, which is stupid. So I don't know. There's only and two players on screen, and only one of them is an outfield player. So, <laughs> so you can't. Who are you passing to? This is just stupid. Uh, who, oh, I don't know. You just skate about and hit each other and go back and forth. It's boring. I like the radar at the bottom. Thought it was all right. That's about it. Go play speedball. That's what I've written as well. It's <laughs> yeah. way better than this. Way better. This is bitty, ugly, and annoying to control and play. What a game. <laughs> <laughs> it's just football. You know, go play internet. If you want a football game, play, go play international soccer or Emlyn Hughes's or Micro Soccer. If you want that side, left to right side scrolling thing, Emlyn Hughes's international soccer are way better than this. This is so odd. I don't get it. I don't know where anyone thought, yeah, just one player out. What? Why? Can we have some other players? Nah, nah. Garbage. 45% is too high for this because there's barely anything here. You can't do anything. It's a no, rubbish sports game. Dreadful. Ain't good. No, it's not. Don't put skates on football. <sighs> Let's move along. <laughs> <laughs> Still got another game to go through. And that game is from Firebird. It's from Firebird. It's another arcade conversion, Graham. And this time, it's the port of the 1987 IRM game, Mr. Heli. Mm. Or as it's known in Japan, Mr. Heli no Daiboken. Hey. Or as it was known in North America, Battle Chopper. <laughs> Battle Chopper. Battle Chopper. <laughs> I'll get you, Battle Chopper. <laughs> uh it's full price, nine ninety nine. You gotta you gotta pay for that obscure license, I guess. Ported to the Spectrum Amstrad Amiga ST C sixty four and even released years later on the Wii U. Mm. Weird, huh? Uh this port was itself, the C sixty four port was handled by Probe Software. It had coding by Mark W. J. Kelly. Uh, he did Marauder, which was okay, um, but he's also going to go on to do Turbo Outrun and Golden Axe. See what okay. they turn out like. He's got visuals by Steve Crow. He works on the same games as Marauder. He worked on Turbo Outrun when they're coming up, but he also did uh, graphics on Savage and Zynapse. So quite good. And he's got oh. music by Charles Deenan. Oh, the maniacs of noise, basically. The story here is brief, but it goes like this. Far away on the other side of the universe, a shining green planet is losing its life to the twisted followers of a mad scientist known only as the Muddy. (laughs) It is your job as part of the Cosmic Heli Patrol to unmask the evil Muddy and restore the balance of nature. Use your trusty joystick to fly Mr. Heli deep into the heart of the planet, firing missiles, bullets, and bombs at the Muddy's followers as you go. You may also use your weapons to destroy groups of bricks and uncover a, uncover a small fortune in crystals, which you may use to buy the surrounding power-ups. As a note to all this, the crack that I played this needed each level loading individually from the disc. All the elements were here, and I guess this would have worked on the originals, as you needed a password to access each level after the first one, so... I think there was some problems, but you could just load them in. So I played all the levels, so that's fine. So the game starts with a really nice title screen. It's got a boppy piece of music from Mr. Deenan. Um, Whilst that's the top of the display, we have a Mr. Heli logo uh, with the titular helicopter that cycles through various colours. Very nice. Looks cool. Nice. Looks very nice. Better than that ARG logo. 
<laughs> that was dreadful. Below this, we have eight Mr. Heli sprites flying around the credits in an animated display in a sort of animated sort of uh, loop. Um, and that's quite good. And in the top and bottom board, we have a command to press fire to start. Cool. This is a great start to this. Looks good. Looks great. And this continues because we get the intro from the arcade when we press fire and we see Mr. Heli fly back and forth in his spaceship before launching into the great yonder and into level one. Nice. Great, great stuff. All from the arcade. Like we said with Shinobi, they've gone and done the whole thing again. Amazing stuff. Good stuff. The game has three levels or stages, which is the same as the arcade game, and, and although these are split into smaller chunks, and each one ends with a big boss at the end of the main, so when you get to all of it, you've got a big boss to kill. The game is ultimately a multi-directional scrolling shmup, which sometimes auto-scrolls and sometimes requires you to push that scrolling along. The screen is split with the UI being three characters high at the bottom, um, and the rest of the screen is filled with the game itself. The UI has your score, your energy, and the amount of money you have, but not your number of lives left. Second time we've seen these on the game. It's a bit weird, a bit of an oversight. Mm. Um, you have five lives, I think, but... Yeah, I think. You control Mr. Heli, who is a cute little chibi-style helicopter, and movement is standard eight-way directional controls, so up, down, left, right, and the diagonals. And whilst flying around, fire will shoot bullets in the direction you are facing, and also it fires a missile directly upwards. In the arcade version, you had two buttons, one for each, but here it just fires them both at the same time, so that's quite cool. Bullets don't go all the way across the screen, at first sort of thing, but that's exactly like the arcade version. The arcade version, they sort of only go a little sort of distance in front of you. So it's, this is an exact port. They've done, done exactly the same. You can also land on the ground and walk around on cute little legs. And here you continue shooting left or right, but you fling out bombs that go along the ground and these blow up stuff. So and both of these modes, you will need to use both of these modes as you progress but you probably will find yourself most of the time you're going to be flying around. But the ground thing, you'll need to use that from time to time. Uh, the enemies for this opening stage are mostly other cute-styled helicopters. They don't come in waves. They rather come as individuals, and they aim towards you, and they shoot at you, and they're a pain in the ass. Um, but that's what you've got to shoot and destroy and kill. There are different variants. You just shoot everything. Some of them are faster than others. Some of them are sort of go around in little sort of movement movements patterns. But they'll you, you just got to dodge around them and shoot them or try and shoot them with the bomb going upwards, whatever. Just kill everything as you progress you'll start blowing up chunks of rock in the level some of these will reveal one of two things the first thing they may reveal as crystals these vary in size and the bigger the size the more they're worth and if you move into these or if they drop from the ceiling and a, and a bit of rock from the ceiling and you fly into it um before it drops off the bottom screen they increase your money total in the ui which slowly counts up they vary in um amount of money from 220 to 40 to 160 500 to all kinds of prices but your bigger you are you, you want them and you want to collect them you're going to need to because you'll also be revealing power-up shops and they will have an icon and a cost on them so if you have enough money you reveal all the shops with usually you've got to destroy like four bits of rock for the shop to be fully there um if you move into it and you have enough money you'll automatically buy that power-up that's on that shop power-ups come in various types and they are bombs these add one more bomb to either shoot it shooting up or drop on the ground uh there are homing missiles which equip up to three homing missiles you've got gun which adds to the number of bullets you can fire um, and the directional uh, of you, that they'll fire in as well. You can get a circle, which lets you pick up a shield. Um, you can also find petrol. This replenishes your energy. And mm. finally, a fish. Fish is back. Okay. Which destroys all the rocks on screen, revealing all the crystals or shops that may have been hiding. Okay, you can't okay. So to do. You, you can't carry them with you. They're just instantly, the fish is instantly activated should you fly into them. 
Uh, but all the rest, you you can you can choose to leave or pick us up if you want. You can save your money and go for if you you know you've worked your way through it. You can pick up the ones that sort of suit your playstyle. It's completely up to you. As you progress, you'll soon find that the levels are more interesting than the usual fear we come across. As they ask you to, first of all, you're moving from sort of left to right, and it feels quite standard. But then after a little while, you've got to go down, um, and it starts to auto scroll downwards. So you've got to kind of, you kind of got to move around and don't get trapped. So if you get trapped by a sort of plat- a level that's you know a, a sort of platform that's moving up or it's a bit of the level, you'll get crushed and you'll die. Mm. So you have to sort of keep, be aware of that. So you've got to sort of navigate your way down through the passages as you're heading downwards. Um, and then once you get to the bottom of that, you're moving from the right to the left. And the, it, the midway through this is like a rock storm that you've got to kind of navigate your way through. There's small mazes. There's mid-level bosses to fight and progress past that you've got to sort of blow up and destroy. There's loads of things going on. This is all in the arcade game as well, so they fit it all here. Um, if you get through, the, if you get past that little mini bosses a maze to get through and then you get to the boss at the end of each level they these are big bosses they take up most of the screen and loads of stuff going on so there's loads of guns firing and you just got to blast away and try and kill it good it looks like the arcade game it's a c64 representation of the 1987 arcade game it's good it's you know it's standard shoot of progression in that you move you know you move through the level kill a boss and move on to the next level but it's made more interesting by the way you navigate the game and the way that the levels are sort of laid out i thought it was quite interesting and well played to play through the visuals in this are really well done throughout there's great use of color and shading on all the sprites. There's nice, they've all got, they've got loads of little character in the in the sprites. There's a really good job mm. on the sprites. Um, there's nice character background visuals as well, with none of that sort of horrible sort of clumpy stuff we saw in uh, things like Menace with the blocks around them and stuff. It's really nice, really well done. Everything moves well, smooth scrolling in all directions, and plenty going on on screen. No sign mm. of flickering or bugs nope. that I could see anywhere. Really nope. good. The really sound effects are well implemented, and you can swap mm. between those or the music at any time by pressing the M key. Yep. So it's up to you when you listen to that. Or The music is a, is a rendition of the arcade game, and it lends the whole game a bit of a jaunty air, I thought. It's a bit of a jaunty bit of music. It's nice. Yeah. But it goes with a kind of chibi, cute style visuals. It's, it, mm. it works. It's that. So that's quite nice. So I, I like all that. The only thing that feels out of place is the background. Because in the, in the arcade, the background's uh, blue like a blue sky and here it's yeah, black and kind of gives it a bit more of a star understand- dot, star dots it's got stars so i understand why they do that because it allows them to do black on the character graphics for shading and stuff yes yeah. So I understand why they've done that, and it for thingy. It's just a, it just makes the game. We've seen it in other games as well, like Rastan and stuff mm. like that. But yep. it that's why it does it. But yeah, it just it just renders the game not quite as sort of blue sky cute. I guess is the way you sort of yeah, yeah. You take yeah. away from it. There are a couple of issues with the game though, as ever. There always are. The screen space in the this game, this version, unlike the arcade game, it's much smaller, much yep. tighter than the arcade version. And this means the game feels really much harder, tighter to play. The enemies in their bullets are far harder to dodge. I played the arcade game for comparison, and this lack of space and aggression of the enemies is apparent from the start. And the arcade game, they're just kind of the blue, little blue ones. They're, they're tiny. They just come bumping yeah, on the... Yeah. You just kind of kill it. And you've got loads <laughs> of space, and you've got loads of time and stuff. Here, they're on you. They're on you, and they're yeah, after you. Yeah. It's, it's quite tricky and it sometimes i found it just it was a bit unfair and seemed impossible to dodge around everything that was coming at you and because the way you shoot and fire and the sort of rapidity that you can do it there is also the issue that there's a bomb i found yeah there's a bomb power up right at the start but it's quite often not enough crystal power to get enough to collect it yeah you never get it i don't know how you get that. yeah i've done it once once they've given me enough enough for thinking i collected everything and there's little rocks next to it but every other time i collected everything but still didn't get enough kind of mm. a weird thing it's frustrating but you know you just carry that money forward and get the next one the game has checkpoints 
that's quite good. But it does rob you of any power-ups should you die. There's no speed-up or anything like that. But losing your homing missiles, losing your extra bullets, your guns, your bombs, everything yep. like that, your shield, it makes future sections uh, you know, all but impossible to navigate due to your less powerful stats. We've seen this in loads of these. But in this, it's not great this does it, but it, it's got checkpoints, but it's such a pain to lose everything. Mm. You don't even get a chance to sort of get it back. It's not like they reappear on screen. You can go fly into it. They're just not, you just lost them. So it's what it is. That comes with the territory, I think, for these kind of games. Those things said, again, like Shinobi, this is a very, very impressive conversion. Everything is smooth. It features just about everything from the arcade, including the nice title screen, the animated intro. Everything's here. Yeah, it's more challenging, but I did manage to make it to the first boss after a few goes, so it's not impossible. And having passwords to access the second and third level, should you make it that far, allows you to skip to them once you've made it there. So that's a nice, you know, it's a nice affordance. I like that. It's got 84%. Again, I don't know. In comparison, I, I, I just go back to New Zealand story, and yep. this is better. It's a better yep. conversion. It's a better game. Mm. Um, it should have ranked higher. It's a sizzler for me. I, it likes Shinobi. This is another sizzler. It's a very good game in its own right, and it's a cracking conversion above that. Looking at all the other versions, this is the best version as well. This is mm. the best version of the uh, of the, uh, the one. If you're going to play a, a home conversion of Mr. Heli, apart from obviously the one on the Wii U, which you probably can't get anymore because the Wii U eShop is, is gone, then this is the version to play. It's even it's better than the 16-bit attempts. We have really, really chunky helicopters, even less screen to move around in, and mm. the Amstrad and Spectrum version version is you know, it. not, really not worth that. mentioning. The level, you know, the variety of level design, the competency of the conversion. Yeah, this is a sizzler all day long. Um, but like I said, with you know, Virgin did turn up with a big sponsor. We'll sponsor your magazine. A wheelbarrow of cash. Yeah, yeah like, you know, wasn't sponsored by Firebird, like you know, which issue fifty three was brought to you by Ocean. So I, I this, yeah, it's what it is. This, these two games we've looked at. These two arcade games, they're both better conversions than New Zealand Story, and both deserve better. So mm. take from that what you will. Um, I thought this was really good. Never really played it before. Heard of it, but never played it. Glad I did. I'm glad I played the arcade version. Really good shoot with this. Really interesting and cute and different. And in- I really liked it. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the loading on the demo crack that we had, sorry. Um, the loading link was a bit was of a pain because you yeah. had to load each one separately. But, you know, it's worth the load. Really nice graphics and styling. I love the pixel art. Now, I'm a sucker for a good pixel art, me. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I really like things like Metal Slug because I like that. I like pixel painting, but done well. And they're done really well here. Some of the best sprites I've seen on the C64 in a long while. Really nicely done. Really good version mm-hmm. of the arcade on the the big side, like you say, in the kind of tight quarters, but you know, still great. Um, really well put together. All seemed to function exactly as it should. The scrolling was really nice and subtle for that kind of sort of belt scrolling type shooter idea, where it's sort of, but it's multi-directional. That was really nice, and it was really nicely done. Um, again, it all felt and played like the arcade, a slight tighter quarter version of the arcade, but it still played like that. And you, the sounds are a bit annoying, but you can change between that and the music, so you can, you know, you don't have to sit there getting your ears drilled out by them. Um, and I like the fact that the arcade is in here and it's represented very well. So it's, you know, the arcade's doing things a little bit differently, buying upgrades and finding them buried and things like that. Mm. Just a nice little twist on the genre, and it's all here. Um, so aside from the weird loading, which I think is more down to the crack of this than the actual game I itself, think so as well, yeah. Um, this is a a really good competent conversion. Another one. What is going on with these arcade conversions? But Another great one, but another one that's been given the bums rush by Zap. Again, like you say, why give it 84%? Now, this is this is a really good conversion. It's a really good little shoot em up, really nice to play, really good fun, really cutesy graphics that really do work. Backgrounds look really nice. Yes, it's missing that blue in the background, but you know what? Like you said, there's a payoff on the, for it being on a C64, and there's one of them. But everything else is kind of there, kind of fun, very responsive to the joystick as well. So it's not like, you know, you, you can't sort of get out of situations. You could be quite nimble in this. There's a lot to like here. 
Um, so it's, I thought it was really good. And it wasn't one I'd ever played before. So completely new territory for me. Really enjoyable. Some of the best sprites I've seen designed on the 64 for this kind of thing in a long while. Really good stuff. Just given a bit of a shit end of the stick from uh, our friends at uh, Zap. But that just seems to be the way. Like you say, that if you want the extra 10%, well, you better cough up a brown envelope and put some some, some notes in <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, yeah. Sponsor, sponsor an issue and you get all the sizzles you want. Exactly. Yeah, you can, you know, exactly. And, you know, it's got an unusual sort of publishing tree to this, isn't it? There being Firebird and Virgin and things like that. I'm not quite sure of the, how the roots of and all of that work, but whatever. Mm. It's a good, it's a really good little game that, and a nice one to finish on as well. No, I, I liked Mr. Helly. I like this and I like Shinobi a lot. They're both very, they've been really good playable games amongst many others that aren't as playable and in some instances not playable at all. So quite good that. Yeah, good. good really good little game, Mr. Helly. Go and play it. My advice. Good. Yeah. Yeah, so do I, I would advise you go play that too. That's it. That's it for this week. Wow. Well, we had six games. We had, what did we have? We had Tusker. Tusker, Graham. Tasker. Tasker, yeah. Looks nice and stuff, just a bit, bit derivative. Well, then we had the horror that was Arg. Arg. Ah, is what you'll feel utterly oh. rubbish for crap. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> then we had the slowing options of uh, OmniPlay Basketball. The Basketball Option Simulator. <laughs> Do you want to play basketball? This is not the game for you. <laughs> if you like options about basketball, then we got a treat. How do you play this game? Load in the options manager. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. The fact that you've created one of those for it tells me all I need to know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, then we had the really rather good Shinobi. Um, good, the really that. rather, really rather bad Skateball. That's pantaloons, that one. Um, and the really rather good Mr. Heli. Yeah, much better. Which, yep. uh, two, uh, the two, well, the two arcade conversions this half have been the standouts by some, by some margin. Well, yeah, and Skateball just made them look even better because of how crap it is. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a proper, it's, it's a really nice bread shit sandwich, isn't it? It is, yeah. It is, absolutely. The, the bread half. is delicious. The filling, not so much. <laughs> not so much. It's one directional skating. <laughs> no one wants that. No one wants that. What have we got next week? Next week, we have got APB. Yeah, okay, good. So we'll see that. That's got, that gets a sizzler at 89%, but we'll see how it's that turns out. good game, I remember of it, but... That's another arcade conversion, isn't it? It's arcade, it lots is. of arcade conversions. We've got, another two, we've got two arcade conversions next. Or maybe three, I don't know what first strike is. We've got international team sports. That's a the Ringler Ringlers game. Are back. Oh. <laughs> Make them stop. <laughs> Ringlers. Uh, then we've got first strike. I'm not sure okay. what that is. Uh, Buffalo Bills Wild West Rodeo that Show. That sound good. Gets eighty percent. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything, does it? But we'll see. We'll see. Then we'll we've see. got the uh, pretty desperate conversion of Zybot. Oh, that's not looking good. That no. And then finally, we have the second time we've seen them, but we've got another Thunderbirds game. They're coming. Thunderbirds are coming. <laughs> <laughs> they are. <laughs> they are coming. But there we go. That's what's coming next week. If you want to support us, you can do that. Obviously, we say this every week. You can go to our Patreon and you can sign up. For I don't know what it is price of now probably half a sandwich. It's a pa- pa- it's a price of a sandwich these days, isn't it? Price of a sandwich, yeah. So price of a sandwich, you can join. You can join up. You can get the uh, episodes early and ad free. You can join our Discord and have a chat there. Join in the high score and the weekly challenges and things like that. Ask us questions for the ask the podcast. Join in the end of year stuff when we do all mm. that. Anything else we can think of? Yeah, I think there's that. Or you can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash up to the past. 
or either mentions on Twitter or anything like that. Or just give us a shout out if you're doing whatever you're doing. If you want to give us a shout out on something, that's always cool. Remember, we play these games, you don't have to. And it's like, oh, sometimes we do have to play them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And don't forget, of course, that um, if you want to buy any of our wonderful T-shirts or mugs or any of the other things, you can go to our um, amazing little merch shop. Um, with all sorts of little things on there that we've, you know, quirky things that we like to produce. There's no obligation. They're just there because, you know, we think sometimes it's funny to have a mug with uh, with Lord Humongous's face on it. Um, so you can go get the <laughs> yeah. Lord Humongous. Um, see what I did there? Go to zaptothepast.shop for that. Or the Mr. Miyagi mug, yeah. The Mr. Miyagi tea mug, Mugagi. Mr. Mugagi, yeah. There you go. Go to zaptothepast.shop and go and have a look and see if there's anything that tickles your Christmas fancy. There might be, you know. There might be. There might be. There could be. Who knows? Who dares to dream? And that's it, I think. Yeah, so we'll be back next week. What, you got anything else you want to add, Graham? No, no, I'm not wanting particularly to play any more Ed Ringler games, <laughs> but, I'll, you know, if this is the last one, fine. Okay, I'll do it. The last but one for a year. This is called taking one for the team, I think, literally. I, but. I, I'll, I'll tell you what, whatever, whenever the horse racing one comes up, I'll do that one. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll say now. I don't mind. But if we ever get, any, if we ever get a Lee Enfield 2, then that one's all yours. You know what? The option's going to be like in that horse racing one. Well, choose <laughs> the type imagine? of move. Can, can you imagine the type of bet? What kind of bet do you want? Do you want each way, four way, down way, bow way? Do, do it bet. Oh, what kind I of shoes know. do you want to put on the horse? <laughs> <laughs> How much whip do you want to use? Yes, leather saddle, pleather. Which what are you going to choose? How heavy do you want the jockey to be? Where's he going to be from? What's his What's his jockey colours? God's sake, I can imagine it now. Oh, good old Ringler. That's why it takes a year for him to do. How does he make them all so quick? This is three Ringler games in like quick succession. I don't know. I mean, I imagine his life is a complicated series of options. (laughs) Best. Can you imagine his on his wedding day when he's walks down the aisle? Do you take this person to be a lawful married? Do you take them in for sickness and health? Till death do you depart? And it'd just be the, the, the vows would be like 10 minutes of options. <laughs> I, I, I like that much of this, this much of that. Exactly, uh, yeah. Rubbish. Goodness me. Imagine good that. Old, wow. Good old Ringler. Right, there we go. On that note then, I think we'll end. So uh, as ever, I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Raddings. And you have been listening to the Ed Ringler Option Show. Um, <laughs> choose option A to keep listening or B, which we are doing to end this podcast. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptuda, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.